You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to day number two of our Christmas Tim Allen countdown here on the Oz Network, leading you all the way up to Christmas Eve. Uh, we started yesterday, not last week, not last month, yesterday on the Santa Claus 1, and as promised, we're back today to do the Santa Claus 2, the long-awaited follow-up uh, to the 1994 classic, and both of ours favorite Christmas movie of all time, or at least tied for number one with me. Uh, so more Tim Allen, more Santa Claus, uh, more Curtis this time. Uh, actually, we have Curtis and a little bit less Bernard. Uh, we'll break everything down for you here and cover everything that I love about this movie and Ben doesn't and every reason why I'm right and Ben's wrong. My name is Colin and I'm a man of many sides. I'm a puzzle. I'm a Rubik's Cube with pants. <sighs> And my name is Ben, and you're 900 years old. Grow up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I- I'm really interested to talk about this one, because when we first started mentioning about doing Christmas ones, you said, oh, we got to do the Santa Claus. I'm like, well, we got to do Santa Claus 2 and 3. And you said, oh, I saw the Santa Claus 2 once and hated it. <laughs> Never saw 3. And I said, I love Santa Claus 2. I agree with you. Or I, you hadn't even said you hated it. I'm like, you're lucky for not seeing 3. Um, <laughs> so... These are fun movies to cover regardless, but I, I, every time we could get an episode where the two of us disagree on something, I think it's great. Uh, and we can get some debates going here. Uh, I'm just hoping that there are some things about this movie, that because you did mention that you did really like some things about this. I'm interested to see if uh, we have some of the common opinions here, or at least with some of the characters. Uh, why don't you just start? I mean, I... You know, go in a second, just talk about how much I have loved this movie or seeing it for the first time. But the first time you did see it, was it when it first came out or is this just something you caught, you know, on TV one day and never really had an interest in seeing? I just want to quickly say uh, we could have actually done a similar movie that came out the same year, a Christmas movie by Disney, Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year. Uh, was another oh, Christmas movie. Like What a classic. Like, oh, it's, it's always on my watch list. Um, and we know the 2002 was a great year for films, of course. You know, Die Another Day came out in 2002, so, you know, just just saying. Um, no, I didn't see this when it came out. I was excited that when I saw a trailer for this, I was like, oh, my God, they're making a sequel to The Santa Claus, because, like, I just fucking love The Santa Claus. Um, and I, I don't know how much long after it was that it came. I think it might have only been within a year or two. Uh, I didn't rush out to see it, but... Um, yeah, when I saw it, I was just so disappointed. I was like, what the hell is this? Uh, this isn't like the first one. They've just shat all over the legacy of the first one. Um, and then in rewatching this, I agree with that still mostly, but there are, I definitely think, certain parts of this film, like as you were just saying, like probably got about halfway through this. I'm like, okay, actually, you know, those bad things at the beginning have kind of been forgotten about. This isn't too bad. Like I think you sort of mentioned in the first one that, while the, the, the first movie is kind of all about, you know, the real world and very little stuff to do with the North Pole, this one had more about the real world in it than I remembered. So, kind of, you know, that's probably where I'm going to be liking it. But then just kind of as it kept going on. Uh, and this, like, I remember my opinion of this just basically stopped me from seeing the third one. And I'm, I'm usually a person who, if I don't like a film in a franchise, I'm still, like, I like one movie enough that I still want to see them, if you know what I mean. Like, I like kind of being consistent. Um, but this is just one of the rare occasions, like, oh, God, the second one was bad. I'm never seeing the third one. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, second time I saw it, as I keep saying, there were bits in it that I kind of enjoyed. I love Elizabeth Mitchell. 
Uh, so I'm glad that we can like talk about her and, uh, you know, you and I can get on the Juliet fan wagon. Hope you're listening to this, Noah. Um, but yeah, then we have Curtis. Um, <laughs> I like Curtis. Ugh. Like there's a movie that he, what's this guy's name? Something Breslin. Um, Spencer. So like, I, I'm like a big fandom of the movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the Bruce Willis movie, The Kid. Um, no, but I, I knew he was in that. I love that movie, and he's actually pretty okay in that movie. Uh, but everything else I've seen this guy in, he gives me the absolute shits. So um, that's probably a lot of my hatred. I'm going to blame on little shit Curtis in this film, because he's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> no. You're yes. being cruel now. You're being cruel. <laughs> this is This is honestly one of the reasons why I was so excited to do this episode, because I know you don't like things about this movie, and for me, maybe because I do appreciate so much about this movie i have a hard time you know figuring out why somebody wouldn't like it or even with curtis i'm like curtis is a fun character like i love the whole the desantification process is begun like i hate it when he like goes into his yelling phases he's terrible he can't act shoot this kid in the head this is what we were talking about in santa claus one like you know yesterday when we talked about santa claus one yesterday yes (laughs) yesterday and uh we're talking about like the economics of the North Pole. I mean, Curtis is kind of your account guy. You know, just, he he Ugh. keeps the books. He he knows the rules. He's he, almost like you know, uh, attorney. At, you know, Curtis Elf, attorney at law, or something. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's just a fun idea for a character. And you know, some of the other characters in this work. Some of them don't. There's one scene in particular. I think actually two scenes in particular that I absolutely hate. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you can agree with me on those. But, I mean, Curtis isn't one of them. I mean, this movie starts with Curtis, and that should tell you right there, Curtis is the real star of the Santa Claus 2, which is why they brought him back for the Santa Claus 3. Which, can I just say, if you are a fan of children, uh, and you're a parent, and you like children, <laughs> don't listen to this episode, because I'm going to rip shit. You thought last <laughs> ep- yesterday was bad with Kenny, but, like, this is legitimately Ben Bashes on kids. Um, but yeah, like, I know there's another that you were going to hate. Oh, the sister or whatever her name is. Shut up. Um, But, like, the the thing, too, I think is kind of interesting because, you know, we could be real dicks and nitpick, like, where's Judy? Where's all the other ones? But, like, I guess because, you know, this is eight years later. These actors have grown up and these are meant to be, you know, unageable elves. So it's kind of like, well, where's Curtis in the first one if he's, what, number two? Number two. Um, But, like, I guess, well... You can't. He would have what in real life been about like three or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know why I'm starting to nitpick and about shit like that. But anyway, <laughs> only, only the ageless David Crumholtz can come back because he will forever look 15 years old. Yes, exactly. Except for he does not come back in the third one. If you told me, didn't you? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And somehow Peter Boyle went from being a dick boss into Father Time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Because he pushed the other Father Time off his roof. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get off my roof, Father Time. <laughs> um, you mentioned like eight years, and I remember they talked about the sequel right away, but it's different. Nowadays, you know, a sequel's pretty much announced within a month of the first movie coming out. This was all just talk and not even official talk for a long time. I think it was probably about three or four years before there was ever, like, serious mention. That has a lot to do with, you know, Tim Allen was on Home Improvement and only really had three or four months a year to make movies. And I think he followed this up with Jungle of the Jungle, and then there was for Richard Poor, and then Galaxy Quest, and really oh, it wasn't until movies. Home Improvement. 
Yeah, well, other than furniture poor, all no, great movies. You leave furniture poor alone. Kirsty Alley and Tim <laughs> Allen. What can't you like about that movie? Uh, yeah, this is Ben showing us. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they sort of remade that a few years ago, didn't they? With Sarah Jessica Parker and Hugh Grant, with whatever that was called. That was great too. Oh, but, that, um, was, that was the worst. That was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. No, they're like my favorite. Like, Sarah Jessica Parker. She's a horse, and that's an unattractive horse. But like, <laughs> I. <laughs> Love Hugh Grant. I probably like Hugh Grant as much I, as you love Tim Allen. Like, I love that man. I, I mean, uh, Hugh Grant was my favorite, mostly because of Nine Months growing up. Uh, that was like, Notting you know, my... Me. Well, Notting Hill for you? What? <laughs> I love Notting Hill. Like, compared to, like, the hilarity of Nine Months, come I've on. I've never seen Nine Months, sadly enough. Oh, we got to do Nine Months. Well, Next about, year a boy, we'll be the- about a boy, I think you love that movie yeah. too. That's one of my favorite movies. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Hugh Grant I'm, month, coming after Tim yeah. Allen month. <laughs> December's Tim Allen, January Hugh Grant. We have to do Cloud uh, Atlas, because have you seen Cloud Atlas when like, Hugh Grant's actually like in yeah. a dramatic role? You didn't like Cloud yeah. Atlas? No. Love <laughs> Cloud Atlas. Oh. You only don't did, like I, it because that was Natalie Portman's idea to the Wachowski brothers, and she was meant to be in it. See, she I got a special thanks. That. I <laughs> I didn't even know it. I didn't like it because it was three hours of three like amazing ambient. Hours. It's like ambient noise in the background if you want to fall asleep. You know, just turn on Cloud Atlas. You hate Anyways. it because of Halle Berry and the special thanks to Natalie Portman. It all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move back to Tim Allen month here. Tim Allen week or Tim Allen four here. Uh, Tim Allen, I think, is what really held up even talks on this movie. But I always remember they did say there's going to be a Santa Claus two. There's going to be a Santa Claus two, and the interesting history about the Santa Claus 2 is that there was a trailer that was released in theaters two years before this movie came out. Uh, so they had Tim, like, Home Improvement ended in 1999. He went off, he did Galaxy Quest right away. And then after Galaxy Quest is done, it says, let's start working on Santa Claus 2 finally. Uh, and they were developing the Santa Claus 2, the Escape Clause, mm. which actually had a trailer that you can find on YouTube. And I remember hearing this for years and thinking it was just a rumor because I never saw the trailer. But I did remember hearing they're going to do the escape clause. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was news. The movie's being delayed for at least a year. They're reworking the script. This trailer is available online. And uh, it it very much is a teaser. Like, they obviously hadn't started filming the movie. They brought Tim Allen in. And it's basically like your 2000s-type teasers. You know, it's showing a snow globe with Santa Claus stuff in there and talking about, you know, the magic of Christmas. And then Tim Allen comes in, and he's holding the snow globes, and he drops it, and he's being kind of bumbling. Has nothing to do with the Santa Claus, but it ends with the title, The Santa Claus to The Escape Clause. Now, obviously, The Escape Clause storyline, or I guess uh, idea, was reused for three. But they just completely scrapped it here, delayed the movie for a year, and said, let's do The Mrs. Claus. And I even remember when they announced The Santa Claus 2 is now going to be called The Santa Claus to The Mrs. Claus. And I, you, <laughs> you figure if clause is used twice, they're going to drop the title. But that storyline, really, I mean, it, it was obvious as soon as you heard the storyline where they were going with this movie. I don't know if you remember any of that at the time or have ever seen the trailer even? No, I don't think I've seen that. The only trailer I know is kind of the opening of this movie with the plane because uh, that was another teaser too, wasn't it? When they're like flying over and you hear like the, when they hear the radar bit. Like I remember that yeah. as a teaser trailer. I think that was the first one I ever saw when I was like, holy fuck, the Santa Claus too. Because, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't have the internet, you know, at my house until I was like 17. So like this is... I wasn't exactly going on the internet at high school looking up movie things, really. I think I was just looking up Formula One stuff and trying to get porn, probably. But um, <laughs> that was my friend's horse house, porn? not at school. Um, horse porn. Well, uh, 
It's a story for off air. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd never seen that. I, I, you mentioned last, oh, yesterday, not last week, about the whole <laughs> 1-800-spank-me thing, which I looked up. And I actually hadn't seen that. Like, when I looked it up on YouTube, I could not remember that edit. So, um, I'll have to look up that trailer once we're done here. Um, yeah, I mean, when the movie eventually did come out, I, I, again, one of the other funny stories I'll tell before it came out was that they filmed this in Canada. Uh, and I think they were filming it somewhere in Alberta. And I, I very distinctly remember it became, I don't know if it was a story anywhere else in the world, but here it was a big story. They said that there was no snow where they were filming in Alberta. It's like, it's unusual. There's no snow. And they paid this absurd amount of money to ship. They didn't even want to use fake snow so they could ship real snow in for some of these outdoor scenes. Like I would guess, you know, an example would be the, uh, not the North Pole stuff, but like the stuff with the, the gangbangers, you know, cleaning the graffiti and uh, the sleigh ride that we see later on and things like that. Um, they had to bring fake snow in because there was no snow on the ground. It was all melted. And I just remember at the time just being appalled at the stupidity of a production coming to Canada because they were filming this in something like April. <laughs> and they're like, where's all the snow? We have to pay a million dollars to bring snow in from somewhere else. And I'm thinking like, there is nowhere. Winnipeg, where I live, is nicknamed, joke named Winterpeg. And... All the snow is pretty much gone by the end of March. So they come in here in Canada in April. They're like, I can't believe there's no snow. Like, it's 25 degrees outside. People are in shorts. 25 degrees Celsius for anybody who doesn't, you know, uh, understand our system here. It's only uh, America that doesn't. Everyone else is normal. Yeah, just, just that one part, small part of the world that doesn't get it. But that was such a big story here is they had to bring in fake snow. And I have to say, I appreciate that they did that because... Uh, you watch these movies where it is the fake snow, and here they they made fake real snow, uh, and I think it uh, it makes a difference in the movie. But uh, did that story break over there in Hobart? Absolutely, it was on the front pages of the newspapers. It was all we could talk about, you know. Like uh, it was just, uh, probably around about when September 11 happened. It just got cancelled out <laughs> by the uh, the snow stories from uh, from Winnipeg. <laughs> um. The other thing that I find funny about this is the fact they only filmed it in the spring and it came out, you know, a few months later. We mentioned the effects of the first Santa Claus. They did it the same amount of time. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because this movie is so much more elaborate and... Oh, sorry, I'm hiccuping and burping at the same time here on air. The film has we that reaction. A, yeah, no time to edit it. We've only got three days We're to We're rushing Christmas. out. It's Christmas. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just the rush production, which I guess... This happens a lot with TV stars, and Tim Allen wasn't in TV anymore, but, you know, maybe they're just, Disney was so used to this. Movie films in, like, April, and it's out in November, and it has a lot of special effects, and I feel like the special effects in this suffer a little bit compared to the first one. (laughs) Even though there's some great effects, and we don't see him in the Santa makeup often, I think that's half of the effect. We don't really get to see a lot of transitions, but the transitions we do see, it doesn't look great. At the same time, I think there's some really cool old retro effects that we get here with like the the toy soldiers that actually like that they didn't just do some bad CGI. 2002, not a very good year for special effects. Um, holding up, you've got James Bond surfing, you've got, uh, you know, Padme and Anakin on an, an assembly line. Um, I mean, Spider-Man aside, uh, does anything from 2002 hold up 15 years later? <laughs> Anthony Hopkins being de-aged 20 years in Red Dragon's pretty good. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> Gollum. Gold Some member. Gollum, I, I guess Austin Powers was okay. 
<laughs> Men in Black 2. Oh, actually, no, they had some pretty shit special effects. <laughs> My Big Fat yeah, Greek right. Wedding. Uh, <laughs> My Big Fat Greek Wedding's effects were amazing. <laughs> I know, right? We had this like unattractive Greek woman fall in love with an attractive American man. Ooh. Hey, Neavar Dallas is the most famous actor to ever come out of my hometown. Really? Like, Anna Paquin? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess Anna Paquin. <laughs> the real difference is, because we even talked last week about Wendy Crewson, who's in these movies, is, you know, grew up in Winnipeg and went to school here in Winnipeg, started acting in Winnipeg. But the difference is that Neavar Dallas really, you know, identifies herself as being Winnipeg and wrote My Big Fat Greek Wedding about so much that went on here in Winnipeg and her family and her family's restaurant and stuff. So this isn't my big fat Greek wedding podcast, but you I leave like Nia Verdalis alone. I was being yeah. mean. I do like Nia Verdalis. Um, and we also love Curtis here. So Boo! let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so let's jump into the movie here. I mentioned on last week's episode, yesterday's episode, <laughs> and uh, I'll mention it again today, you know, just that they switched the movie around. It's not about him slowly becoming Santa. It's about him slowly not becoming Santa. And instead of really ending with a lot of the over-the-top Santa stuff at the North Pole, we start with it here. And I kind of like this fun opening. You mentioned like the teaser sequence, uh, you know, the, the airplane flying, and they're like, we hear something. And it sounds like tiny hammers. And then, of course, when they go into ElfCon 3 or ElfCon 1, this is like what I mentioned. I know you're going to criticize this, or I'm guessing you are. This is what I liked about the first one, and I still think I like it about here, that they're taking you know these traditional Santa scenarios and saying, if this were 2002, what would you do? And they would treat it like a military operation. I, I love the whole military operation here. You know, Take us to ElfCon 1, you know, silent running. And, of course, Curtis, the only one who <laughs> has any sound effects here uh, with his dancing Santa doll uh, playing the music and everything. They have to rush to find him. Um, they find him playing Santa Claus coming to town. Uh, all of a sudden, when the the music disappears, I, I love this is like the, the, the background lines that you don't really notice unless you pay a lot of attention. Where he goes, I don't know, it's just gone. You hear this one guy in the background say, oh, in the middle of a chorus. Like, he's just also <laughs> oh, I like that guy, yeah. Yeah. I also love the guy who's on the radar or who's listening to this. Because I didn't know it at the time. He was a complete nobody at the time. But anybody who's Canadian you know, would watch this movie now and recognize him as one of the stars. Uh, played a character named Hank on Corner Gas, which went on uh, to become the biggest, show, the biggest show in Canadian history. Right. He went on to become one, probably one of the three main stars of, and he's just hilarious. Uh, his delivery is like exactly like this. You know what you see here is the same, but yeah, huge star in Canada that came out of uh, the Santa Claus here, uh, and you could probably make the argument that uh, he might be just as big of a TV star here in Canada as Tim Allen was in America. Uh, you know, at least a couple of years after this, about four years after this, that show came out. So there's my plug to Canada, along with Nia Verdalis and Wendy Crewson and our uh, fake real snow and everything. Um, let's just do a whole bunch of stuff here at the beginning because we get some characters introduced. We get Curtis and Chet. I mentioned I love Curtis. We're going to talk a little bit about him throughout this, so I won't go into too much detail. But I, I just love him being like this, you know, the, the business guy here. Uh, and he he keeps the... Uh, the rule book of Santa and the, the whole clause thing and all that. Uh, Chet, the reindeer that can't fly, a little bit annoying at times, but still a funny idea. The rain, a reindeer in training, just the name Chet, I think is an appropriate name for like the worst <laughs> reindeer ever. Uh, Charlie, we flash back to Charlie here. Uh, it's eight years later, so he's hit puberty or he's in the midst of hitting puberty. 
he's 15 and he's a bad boy now who wants to commit B and E. <laughs> and also, he's committing a break and enter here for the sake of political messaging and art. So basically, he's the 21st century hippie here. Is what I realized watching this. He's like, he's making political messages using art breaking in all the laws and rules and everything like that and thinking so high and mighty this was the moment i heard the plot and i'm like well that's kind of clever but as soon as this scene came up i knew i was gonna hate charlie in this movie because the way you hate children and the way i also hate old people i absolutely hate teenagers that just have this like attitude of like you know uh, I'm so my my, my dad said it. I can't tell anybody. It. It's, oh, They're basically just I teenagers. <laughs> Teenage, yeah. But there are some cool teenagers, you know. Um, like Abigail like Breslin was a great teenager, and uh, Spencer Breslin's a great teenager, and um, well, that's pretty much it. The Breslins are great teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what Bernard? Whatever his name is, I've forgotten his name. He was a oh, teenager David, in the first one. Yeah, he's always a teenager. It's hard to recognize him that way. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, back at the North Pole, there's, uh, some tool man moments here is Santa's fixing a hot rod, which I thought it was fun. You know, he's giving tips on how to uh, fix different technical issues. Uh, he's really running it like a foreman, which again, I think is fun that we're seeing a realistic Santa scenario. Like it wouldn't be just ho, 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 you know, like the fake Santa has later on. Uh, then we get a little game of tinsel football, uh, some good trash talk back and forth, like, come on, pork chop. Who are you calling pork chop, meatloaf? <laughs> That's kind of, come on. You got to like that, at least. Well, it's Disney trash talk. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, it's pretty good for Disney trash talk, you know? Um, uh, and we'll just, I guess, close it out here with the, the puppet pervs are back. They're still watching Santa change into his underwear. And we find out that Charlie made the naughty list. And here we get our Armand Asante moment of the movie. Sheen, I thought he cleaned up. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they drop the bomb. No, there's the Mrs. Claus. And uh, they do the whole fun gag with the magnifying glasses bigger and bigger you know, until we finally read the whole clause. And I, I just love this is one of my favorite Curtis moments here where Bernard's talking about he just missed the single most important detail in the history of Christmas. He goes, wow. One mistake in 900 years. <laughs> and also just the, the whole not valid in the state of Utah is pretty funny. <laughs> I do like that bit, yes. Um, and then this, this kind of begins the desantification process after this. So a lot of stuff to talk about there in the beginning, but all kind of North Pole stuff. I just realized that um, this is directed by what, Michael Lembeck, who mm-hmm. he's, this was his first film. His esteemed film after this was Connie and Carla, which was... Was that not ripped to bits by everyone? Didn't everyone hate that? Uh, and followed by that? Uh, uh, Nia Vidalis, of course, and Australia's yeah. Tony Collette. Um, <laughs> and David Duchovny. I actually have never seen it. It actually kind of seems like a fun movie. But um, uh, he did then The Santa Claus 3. Uh, but he actually did go on to do The Bling Ring, which I don't know if you've ever seen The Bling Ring. That's actually not too bad. Um, Direct. Uh, well, it's he must have been involved in it because it says he films directed by... Oh, I don't know. Well, he's involved in it somewhere. But he also directed... He won an Emmy for one of my favourite episodes of Friends, the one after the Super Bowl. He directed that. But um, anyway, we're not here to talk about Michael Lambert. We're about to talk about the shit that is the beginning of this it's film. It's only his movie. Uh, well, I guess. 
this, uh, this, this, this is just kind of my issue straight away with this movie is how it begins. And like, I, I, I'll say I do, do not like any of the North Pole stuff in this film. Um, oh, I mean, it's pretty good. The Toy Santa stuff's kind of funny. I kind of like with Tim Allen's Toy Santa and some of it. Like, that kind of gives me the laughs, like, when he's just, you know, playing up to that. Um, but, like, and again, like, I nitpicked last, uh, yesterday, sorry, about, um, you know, like, what's the economy like at the North Pole? Yeah. Like, this, I'm going to be horrible in this episode because, like, why is this plane flying over the North Pole? Why are they, like, hearing all these sounds and not reporting it? This is post-9-11 world right now. Like, that's probably Osama Bin Laden in the North Pole. And you're just going to be all like, oh, ha, 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 oh, we missed the chorus. Oh, well. Um, and what do they even say? Like, oh, should we report this? No one's going to believe it. Um, well, how well do who you would know? believe it? But, but you should still report it. <laughs> Listen. They reported Pearl Harbor before it happened and nobody believed. <laughs> you think they're going to believe Santa's coming to town in tiny hammers at the well, North Pole? Have you seen Independence Day? If people didn't believe Jeff Goldblum, then President Whitmore would have been blown up in the White House. And that sounded outlandish. This is, this is Hank from Corner Gas. Nobody's believing him. Well, at least they believe Jeff Goldblum because he's Jeff Goldblum. But, it's like, my first What a man. Note, <laughs> can we just do Jeff Goldblum decade? Um... <laughs> So, let me just start off Jeff Goldblum Oz. Um, but my first notes I've written here. Plane flying. Possible oil flow. Sounds like hammers. We see the workshop. Already a crap start. Uh, <laughs> just, it's like enter scene. Ben's this, script for the Santa Claus 2. This whole elf con thing just makes me cringe. Um, and it's it's like... Curtis is just shit because why is he just chilling with a toy? That is the loudest toy in the world. And this guy's like 900 years old and he's about to say, oh, my only mistake. Yeah, the mistake about you getting discovered by like the US Air Force by playing this stupid Christmas toy. I'm hiccuping now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this movie does to me. Uh, <laughs> Um. <laughs> Alright, we've set the precedent No matter what happens in this episode We are not cutting one thing <laughs> 900 episodes is my first mistake <laughs> I wish I could say that um, I hate Chet Chet's dumb They've just like The thing I think I do not like about this, They're just really playing the children's card And I know the first movie is a children's movie But like, it still feels And I think we mentioned that yesterday About how we can still appreciate it as an adult Because it's it's like, I guess you would know like a children's movie when it's dumbed down so much. They go over the top with like fart jokes and just dumb things that kids are like, ah! Like, Chet just, I hate Chet. He's just dumb. I hate the reindeers in this movie. Like when we get to Colin. Well, I hate Comet more than Chet, which is one of the reasons I said I don't mind Chet that much. Yeah, but Chet's still annoying me. But like the thing that kind of annoys me too is like when we get these like lines of, oh, you're going to tell him? Not now. Like I'll have a criticism about this in a second. First of all, Bernard, this movie is just so like bumbling buffoon. Um, like, he wasn't like that, and he was kind of serious, you know, stern, man. Like, he was good. He was kind of the person there to explain. Now he's just become Benny Hill, basically, Bernard. Um, I do like, uh, it's interesting you're saying that about Charlie. I actually don't mind Charlie in this movie. He's kind of one of the, the oh. weird things that I actually don't mind. And, I mean, Eric Lloyd, so- he doesn't age. <laughs> but... 
I mean, here's something that I I'm criticizing the movie I said I would defend, and this is one of the things Ben likes about the movie. Charlie, <laughs> I mean, he's not my favorite thing, but he's he's okay. Um, he's got less annoying bits in this movie than he did in the first movie, and I didn't really rip shit into him in that yesterday. Um, but like, I love how you like say like he's doing this for a political statement. You're not also getting the point that he's trying to get laid, like little fifteen year old Charlie here. <laughs> With little yeah, skanky Danielle. Like, who is this girl? <laughs> She's all like, oh, this is oh, kind of exciting. And they go to kiss and he falls down. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? Um, but yeah, this I like it when he's spraying the no Christmas tree or whatever. And we've got that song. It's like some naughty boy Santa or something. But we, you didn't even talk about the fact that we get to meet bloody Elizabeth Mitchell. Here she is. Still. Well, I mean, her real, yeah, she comes. We see her, but she comes in the next scene. So I was going to save that. Well, I just like the fact that there she is. There's Juliet. Look at her. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing to think the first time I ever watched this movie, I had no idea who this woman was. Okay, cool, whatever. And now she's Juliet from Lost. How many yeah. movies do we watch You know, now and this is going to be a case in 10 years' time? Um, yeah, the football thing's dumb. <laughs> like, Kenny Battis, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> the, the football thing's dumb. Uh, <laughs> I just hate it when they the drop the chop lines for him, meatloaf. No, it's not. Uh, they dump the tinsel <laughs> on him, and they're all like, "Oh, you know what we should do? Let's play football." Like Santa, like, you, like, put your foot down. Like these elves are being inappropriate to you, and they're like dumping tinsel on you. Uh, <laughs> but like, it was the line he say, like, "Oh, every time you make that play, I never see it coming." Because well, you're dumb. Like, what are you trying to let them win all the time? Obviously, we're going to get that later. Um, but, like, the the whole... Uh, oh, actually, I will say, calm down, Ben. I do like the Charlie Sheen bit. Like, yeah. Charlie's yes. on the list. Sheen? I thought he'd straighten out. <laughs> and this is pre, like, really crazy Charlie Sheen, which makes it funnier now. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing that I just do not get about this, like, this is... Is this meant to clearly be set in the time it took to make this movie, like eight years later, because yeah. obviously Charlie's older and, you know, him and Neil get along and things like that. A six-year-old girl, you know, yeah. who uh, didn't exist in the first one. So why the fuck does it take them eight years and only 28 days before Christmas to say, oh, FYI, you got to get married? <laughs> like, this is well, dumb. You know, there's an eight-year leniency period on the clause. <laughs> then you wait 28 days? Like, tell them at the beginning oh, you know, of the like, year. Yeah, I mentioned it, I can't remember if it was the last episode of one of the Star Wars ones, and I'm studying contract law right now, and uh, it's actually funny, listen to this, it's like, you know, you'll put in there, you know, you have a 30-day uh, uh, leniency before, uh, you know, we can charge you with breach of contract. So this is like, the uh, historical, what do they call themselves? The council uh, that's coming up, legend, the council of legendary oh, figures, yeah. like the council of legendary figures. You know, they gave him uh, a lot of leeway here. Like they gave him ample time to get laid and to find a wife. But, and now uh, it's like we draw the line. But it raises the question: if it took them this long to find it, where was the first Mrs. Claus? Yeah, she's. I mean, like, can they just not she's get a widow or something? Yeah, exactly. yeah, like she's received. They basically shipped her off to Jersey, and she's receiving her pension now, you know, as the first Santa Claus <laughs> fell off the roof. You know, he served a certain amount of years, so he still gets... The, yeah, but, like, I mean, like, as soon as the Santa falls off the roof, does... Yeah, Santa... We, does she disappear, too? Like, what if they've got kids? <laughs> like, you know, what if what if he's part of, like, the, the North Pole, like, fantasy football league? Like, who replaces <laughs> him? Does Scott Calvin automatically get his slot? Like, you know, what if he's part of a poker tournament? 
You know, I just like, they don't think about these things, do they? But like, it's just like I get it, it's a kids' movie. I shouldn't be nitpicking too much, but it's just it's just dumb. This is like getting married. Is this, is this just meant to be kids? Are meant to literally, un- literally understand the process of meeting someone in marriage? Um, like I just I do not like the fact that they like wait this, and I also hate this magic thing, which we'll get to on his watch later on. Um, I but like yeah, magic watch. Oh. Dumb. When did this become a plot of Santa? <laughs> You've only got ten bits of magic you can use. Why? Like, what does because it? Otherwise, all he has to do is when he tries telling. Ki- we'll get to that later. I'll. I'll, I'll he still gets back continue. to the North Pole. It's got no purpose. <laughs> but... Do be continued. You, you um, didn't even like the whole wow, one hundred mistake in nine hundred uh, yeah, years. Yeah, that that was okay. But like, I mean, I like you said about you liked his line. Was like the desanimation process has begun. I hate that. <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate all of it. I'm getting so Anakin all of a sudden. I just, oh, I, just, I want to slap him. I want to get him and and Kenny Vadas and just like get him one of those mallets and just punch him all over again. Like stop talking. <laughs> This is this is only beginning because we have a much worse child character to come that I know Ben's gonna do much worse things to. Only one. Uh, that's came up wrong too. Okay, you said it. Let's move on. Um, so the Council of Legendary Figures is introduced, and this is something that really bothered me when it first came out, but it won me over by the end of the movie just because of the performances you have here. And I think it was smart to get such really, in some cases, famous, but like really good comic actors here. Uh, probably the best one, the one who has the biggest role here is the one who's least well-known, uh, the guy who plays the Tooth Fairy, Art LaFleur. He's amazing in this movie. I love him. And I, and, yeah, and, and he's appeared in lots. I th- and one of these things, kind of like the guy who's driving the truck at the beginning, you know, mm. we said was Benny on Home Improvement. You know, this guy was even in an episode of Home Improvement in one of the early seasons as well. Uh, so, yeah, obviously a lot of friends of Tim Allen make their way into this movie. And maybe it's kind of a lot of these comedians we see pop up here. You know, Jay Thomas, who's playing the Easter Bunny, looks terrifying, but somehow, you know, Jay Thomas delivering it is hilarious. And I was a big fan of Jay Thomas, you know, when I was a much younger kid before even Home Improvement, just a small role he had on Cheers, partly because he was playing a Canadian on Cheers, which I thought was funny. Uh, who are some of the other ones here? Kevin Pollock is Cupid. Yes. Like, if you don't know who Kevin Pollock is, you know, go watch all of his movies now and then listen to. January, Kevin Pollock month on the Oz Network. <laughs> Kevin Pollock's amazing. Uh, and obviously, you know, we have Peter Boyle, who played the boss in the first movie, Back as Father Time. He's great. Michael Dorn, Worf from Star Trek, is Sandman. And save the best for last here. Yes. As much as I love Home Improvement, uh, there's really only one show which can top it as far as I'm concerned. And that's my probably my favorite show of all time. Whose line is it anyway? It's not Drew Carey. It's a much more attractive Drew Carey, Aisha Tyler, new host of Whose Line Is It Anyway, as Mother Nature. Um, I don't, I think it is a little bit too cartoony to have this Council of Legendary Figures. But when you have all these actors in there, like, before we even talk about the scene, like, you, you got to be with me. These actors really deliver with what a small, stupid part most of them have. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you because I, I love all these actors too. I mean, I don't honestly don't know who Michael Dorn is and I don't know who Jay Thomas is, but, um, you know, all the others, like Art LaFleur to me, you know, from Jungle to Jungle, he's in the replacements too, is he not? Like, doesn't he play oh, something? Yeah. 
that too. It's like um, one of the assistant coaches to Gene Hackman. Yeah, and Kevin Pollack, like, so many things. Like, I'm a big fan of uh, Grumpy Old Men and Grumpy Old Men 2, or Grumpier Old Men, whatever that one's called. Uh, and I know he's not just in those, like, he's in everything else. But, um, sure, Suspect's probably the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, Aisha, Aisha Taylor, like, I mean, God, like, what hasn't she been? She was obviously in 24. Um, you know, she was uh, in an episode of Nip Tuck. She was uh, in Friends for a while as well. Like, she's great. I love her. Um, I actually have not seen the rebooted, um, whose line is it anyway? I don't know if we get it here. Um, so if we do, it's on a random channel that I don't get on my cable, but, um, yeah, I love her and I, I'm, I'm very attracted to her. I was going to say strangely attracted to her, but it's not strangely because she's hot. So yeah. It's not strange at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, whose line is it anyway? Really? The only difference here, I'll give a plug to my favorite show of all time. The only difference between like the, the classic British show, the nineties show and the new show is just the host. I mean, you even have the same guys like Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery and Wayne Brady even came back oh, for the new one. I've seen Wayne Brady um, live. He came to Hobart. He's great. I, you know, Wayne Brady's the only one I haven't seen live because when whose line went off the air, uh, the show was like as big as it was like in America, the show was like enormous here. And uh, Colin Mockery has a lot to do with that. He was kind of a Canadian hero. Uh, And they did a live tour across uh, all of Canada where they would just do basically a Who's Line show without a host. It was just kind of like they would take turns. Greg Proops would introduce, okay, this is the game we're going to do. Let's get some suggestions. And they had everybody except for Drew Carey and Wayne Brady on that tour. So sad to say the only people involved with uh, uh, Who's Line is anyway I've never seen live are Wayne Brady, Drew Carey, and Aisha Tyler. I was meant to interview him and it kind of, fell through at the last minute so his his management gave me tickets so that's basically like what happened with wayne brady that's how i got tickets to his show so they were like oh we're so sorry we have to cancel it but uh you know he has some tickets so it was great but um there's actually an australian version of whose line which i've never seen either um oh, I gotta but, but um i actually that is one game that i've always wanted to play like i would love to get a group of people together and just like doesn't even have to be recorded or anything. I just want to play Whose Line Is It Anyway, because that would be the funnest game in the world to play. Yeah, my brother and I used to take some of the games and just try to do a two-member. The best is if you do the three-headed Broadway star game. Yeah, which yeah. Here's something, yeah, where, where you we'll have We'll do that one time here on the Oz Network. We have yeah, to do that. Yeah, we'll do it right now about our love for Aisha Tyler. <laughs> oh, God. Go Aisha, on. Aisha. Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, each person takes a word, but that's enough about <laughs> We just keep getting sidetracked on other shows. Who did this episode in 90 minutes, Ben? <laughs> um, let's get back here. So the legendary figures, uh, there's some fun moments here, especially, uh, you know, um, the the lesser known one, Art Lafleur here, uh, or to you, the more famous one, Art Lafleur, <laughs> where he just wants to propose the new suggestion. Of course, the Tooth Fairy is like the most masculine looking guy there. Uh, and he doesn't want to be the Tooth Fairy anymore. He wants to be Black Man or Roy. Which <laughs> always gets such a big laugh at. He has such good delivery. Um, and obviously Santa Claus suggests the Molinator. They actually take votes on this. And Santa goes along with it, which is funny. Uh, uh, there's the funny joke where he says Charlie made the naughty list. And Jay Thomas's Easter Bunny is like, you know, it's really hard with kids. I got 33,000 offspring. All of them in private school. <laughs> I, I guarantee that half of the stuff we see in this movie was they just put these people in makeup and said, just improvise stuff. Uh, so he reveals to them, you know, I, I have to find a wife in 30 days and stuff like that. And uh, then it moves into 
the plan that Bernard and Curtis and well, it's basically Curtis's plan and Bernard, Santa and Curtis go along with, which is the, the toy uh, Santa making machine. And this is one thing I had a small problem with in this movie. We see the factory line assembly of all these toys at the beginning of the movie. They have this thing kicking around in the back. <laughs> they can you only have to make one wooden horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is just a slave camp is what it is. Like They could reduce, but here's the problem. Then you have an unemployment rate going up in the North Pole. <laughs> Nobody can find a job. They're, They're picketing, going for... to the union. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many jobs at Judy's Cocoa Shop, you know. <laughs> For Cocoa Baristas in the North Pole. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, obviously, there's a reason they haven't unveiled this. It's it's all to protect the economy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, they have this plan where they duplicate toys. And, like, well, we could just put Santa through this. And there's a big debate here. And this is where the movie gets almost like the six days. Cloning okay? Does it have a soul? <laughs> all these questions we asked on episode one of the Oz Network. Uh, but a mouse runs through and they realize this thing will work. So they put Santa through it. And I just love the joke where there's all this dramatic music and you see lightning on the inside and he comes out and he's got his arms out and he looks like Frankenstein and Curtis is like, it worked. And he goes, he's like, of course, it's still me, Curtis. (laughs) You think it's the fake Santa. And he's like, no, it's still me. And then when the fake Santa comes out and he's naked, which is a little bit weird because if it duplicates the toys, does that mean if you put, you know, uh, Barbie evening gown Barbie in there. She comes out with like stripper Barbie with no clothes on. <laughs> the logic I doesn't really make sense. It. That's <laughs> so Ben over the course of last month <laughs> has started finding horses attractive uh, and now is finding dolls attractive. I used to like get my sister's <laughs> Barbies and strip them naked. <laughs> that explains so much about you. <laughs> I said Barbie's not Ken, so like, come on. <laughs> my little ponies as well. <laughs> hey, I liked my little pony. Shut up. Uh anyways, the fake Santa coming out naked. It's it's still funny just when they're trying to teach him to speak and I'm glad you said you like some of this fake Santa stuff because Tim Allen he does so much really subtle humor throughout his entire career a lot of his humor is really subtle and he goes really over the top here and it's probably the only time in his career you get actors like jim Carrey and robin williams that are famous for going over the top tim allen really isn't that guy and to see him go so over the top where you know the real sand is going there's something about him i like and he's like there's just something about you that i like <laughs> i like the who's coming right back <laughs> <laughs> this artificial really animated way of speaking is just great uh, it looks terrifying, though, <laughs> let's yeah. be honest. I-, I mentioned this in an episode. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I think Rossi was on it with me. Uh, are you familiar with the band Primus? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Do you know their song, Winona's Big Brown Beaver? Um, you think I would, because that sounds like a fun song. Uh, no. Can't say that's on my playlist, uh, but it will be soon. Uh, it's a hilarious song. Like it's it, the style of music is bizarre. The song is bizarre but amazing, and the video is the single weirdest thing you'll ever see in a movie. So anybody who hasn't seen it, go YouTube, punch in Winona's Big Brown Beat. Do it in YouTube though. Don't do it on Google Images because that will probably come up with something different. Yeah, exactly. Do, do YouTube. Uh, great song. This is the second time I've given a plug to us. We'll have to do an episode on it. But they wear these costumes, kind of like the fake Santa. 
And it just, it looks so terrifying. When I showed this to Rossi, like, I I think he had nightmares for a week. Uh, <laughs> but this is what fake Santa looks like, from, if you can see it yet. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm pulling it up to quickly mute it to make sure that all of a sudden we don't get it playing in the background. <laughs> um, I, I, there's something about, I can see it now, yeah, it's kind of, um, it looks like, uh, do you get that chesty McBond guy or whatever he is for the Bonds undies there? I don't know if that's an Australian thing or not. <laughs> but... Chesty McBond? Oh, Jamie would love it. It's like some like cartoon guy <laughs> with like the abs and he wears his tidy whities and shit like that. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It does really look like that sort of style of it. But um, it's, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoy the, the toy Santa stuff with this. Movie. I just think he's funny. Like, And I agree with you what you're saying about like Tim Allen stuff because... Um, I mean, he has one line in this movie, which is a direct quote from Toy Story. Um, the, what is it? You are one scared, strange little man. Like, that's a that's yeah. a Buzz Lightyear line. Um, but, like, I, I think kind of, like, I mean, we, we associate, we've we kind of talked all of Tim Allen's kind of famous things. I mean, we've not really talked about, like, Toy Story, which I think maybe mm-hmm. is that his most iconic role as Buzz Lightyear. And he's a great yeah. voice actor, Tim Allen. So, and I kind of think yeah. he gets to do a lot of that outlandish stuff, doesn't he, in the Toy Story films? But um, I guess somehow still Toy Story is less over the top than creepy plastic Santa. But I like this. What's the the line there when he's like, he's naked? It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, do they literally duplicate everything? Like, I mean, or is he like a Ken doll? Like, is he yeah, just close? Yeah, well. Like, you're building. Curtis actually programs this. If you actually pay attention to the scene, he programs this. He even says, "Oh, I programmed it so he would have all your memories later on." So he programs it. To be naked, but mm-hmm. including dongs. So what happens when you're building the toys? Like, does Ken come out with, like, you know, a Dirk Diggler uh, <laughs> dangle or something in between his legs? It's just, uh, yeah, apparently there's some really dirty minds there. Just like at Disney. So I guess it makes sense. Well, I'm kind of also just quickly flicking through this freaking Winona Brown Beaver film <laughs> clip. And there's, like, a cartoon bit with like subtitles saying he stroked it all the time and then his read fingers the lyrics. Yeah. read the lyrics can I, just, love it. can I just quickly say I won't get to there's nothing really I want to say too much about it. Curtis is the problem of this movie because he fucks everything up alright he tells Santa 28 days before he's got to get married oh by the way you've got to get married he then creates this machine, which, as you were saying, like, is basically making all these elves' jobs obsolete. So, like, you know, they're just slaving away for all this kind of things and that sort of stuff. His idea is to come up with a fake Santa so the real Santa can go back home and get a wife. Now, look, Curtis, if you had have told him earlier, remember the first film, when Santa died, he then went back and he wasn't needed to Thanksgiving. So there's 11 months of the year you don't even need Santa at the North Pole. So if you had have told him on, like, Boxing Day oh, guess what, we're into the last year of your contract, you need to find Mrs. Claus or you're it, then he had 11 months to find it. <laughs> you don't need to create fake Santa, who then doesn't turn into, like, Nazi Santa and create the Gestapo. So, like, Curtis <laughs> is dumb. Like, Curtis is dumb, dumb, dumb. He's a fuck-knuckle idiot because he you, creates except- all this unnecessary shit. I agree with you, but that's kind of what makes him a fun character in this. No, I mean, are useless. we? He should be fired. Why is he number two? Why he should be two hundred and fifty thousand? Judy was better. The same- she made Coco. It's the same thing. Go for Scott Calvin in the first one. Well, if he hadn't shoved Santa off the roof, 
and he hadn't committed abduction and stuff like that, nothing in the movie would have happened, and it would have been really hilarious. But it was an accident. He didn't go out there, like, it was manslaughter. We went over this. <laughs> it wasn't One murder. mistake in 900 years, okay? That's a mis- that's, that's an a accident. big mistake. Like, Hitler could have been <laughs> Hitler again. Like, Hitler was probably perfect until he started killing Jews. Like, I mean, God, one mistake <laughs> in 40 years. Oh, <laughs> Can you believe the most heated debate we've had yet on the Oz Network is on Curtis the Elf from Santa Claus 2? <laughs> Osama Bin Laden was a perfect gentleman. Oh, whoops, flew some planes in a building. One mistake in 60 years. Sorry about that, lol. All right. Stupid Curtis. Um, getting back to the movie. I like I MJ and Spider-Man to... better than Curtis. There we go. Oh, now you've gone too far, okay? <laughs> At least you didn't say Aunt May. Um, hey. I do. Leave her alone. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the scene, one thing I really love is the way that they uh, react to it. You know, Curtis is like, it's amazing. It's so lifelike. You know, I, I can feel his dong. It feels so real. <laughs> I miss that line. Hey, it must have been in the Canadian version. <laughs> yeah, that's like the 1-800-SPANK-ME line, and it was cut <laughs> about two years ago. What a dong! <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> But I love Bernard's reaction here. And Bernard's a very different character in this. And I actually have a comment to make on that once we... Well, I'll mention it with the next scene or I guess along with this. Um, where he's saying like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have him stand far away. We're going to you know, cover him you know, in clothes and everything like that. And we're just going to tell people I, I have a new look. And Bernard looks and goes, uh, hmm, uh, have you seen that thing? <laughs> <laughs> Bernard's the only common sense in this movie. Uh, and which is why it's so funny the next scene he has to sell this to everybody. is like... I, I love the way he's like, I myself think he looks terrific. <laughs> you may find he has a glow, almost a toy-like quality. And this is one thing that originally bothered me when the movie came out about Bernard, because he didn't feel like Bernard. He wasn't grumpy. Uh, and, and it was only really this recent time when I was watching it, I realized, you know, Bernard's actually the same character. He's just different. It's like grumpy Bernard was under the old man that had no idea how to run a company in the first one, the original Santa. And he's stressed out because he's been doing all the work. And he's just, every, he's like that guy at your work, you know, the manager, where every time you ask him a question, you know, they just, they have no time for you and you're beneath them and everything. Me at the Oz and, Network. Uh, you at the Oz Network, yeah. And you're just, you're so stressed about everything. It's, it's just a level of stress that Bernard carries. And in this movie, it's almost like a happy stress. Like he's the guy who is under just as much stress, who's doing just as much work, who's just as, you know, overburdened in this company, but he's ready to snap any minute, but he's barely holding on. Like, he's, hi, I'm having a great day, everybody, and then he goes back to his office and he's like, <laughs> you know, I just, I actually really appreciate the different direction of Bernard's character, that he's, he has this, like, facade he's putting on the whole time. Uh, but when they unveil the toy Santa, it's hilarious. Um... Uh, and, uh, the, uh, why do I have Slim Fast written in here? <laughs> there was a lot of Reminded of Jamie or something, or? <laughs> I'm fat shaming Santa already, it's probably just I, didn't, I wasn't trying to say Jamie needed Slim Fast, I was just, <laughs> awkward, move uh, on. We get the, the magic gauge watch here, uh, I think this is really important to the movie, because, Otherwise, well, again, I'll save that for when we get to the movie. I'll explain it later why this is important. Uh, and it's a cool tool to you realize he's not going to just be able to do whatever he wants out there. Uh, I don't know why I wrote Slim Fast here. Apparently, there was a joke about Slim Fast. 
Um, oh, somebody said something about slim fast to him, and he goes, uh, "This is." I think when he shows up at the school and he sees Neil or whatever, yeah. and uh, Laura, and they're like, "Oh, are you? You lost so much weight. Are you on slim fast?" He goes, "You don't know how fast." That was the line. Okay, so here we get. This is like the proper introduction. Principal Newman here. Uh, this is what I'll mostly talk about. Uh, Elizabeth Mich- Mitchell is amazing, and I-, I do remember this being the first movie I saw, and, and I loved her in this movie, even when it first came out. And so years later, when she appeared on Lost, I'm like, it's Mrs. Claus! <laughs> um, but even aside from her, I mean, if you look at Lost, there are so many great actors on Lost. I- I'm not even just saying I love Juliet because it's Elizabeth Mitchell, because everybody on Lost is great. I would well... say only... Almost everybody Have on Lost. Have you seen Emily Garevin? I mean, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was the character I was about to say if you hadn't said it. Okay, good. But... My baby. <laughs> I got to get on the Lost episodes. You really need to listen um, to us ripping shit into Claire every single episode. My squirrel season baby. Three, season three will be a would be a fun one just to listen to you guys cover, just because there was so much bad stuff in that season. But uh, the introduction of Julia is not land. one of them. I mean, she, I think, saves that se- that show of season uh, three. She also has the single, I'm going to say, throughout all television, probably one of the top five greatest, sorry to spoil loss for anybody, she does die at some point. What? <laughs> but one of the greatest death scenes ever. And <laughs> didn't oh, watch the end of the series. Find out. Sad when she's uh, blowing up that nuke, yeah. But even, I- I'd say second only to Locke, Julia's probably my favorite character on Lost. Like, I love her character. Oh, come and... on. No, Jin and, and Sun in the sub. Like... Oh, no, no. Locke, Juliet, uh, yeah, no. Boone? Uh, not, what not... about Boone? I love Boone, but, like, does it go anywhere? It's not really. Boone. You do not rip shit into Boone. He's <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful man, but, I mean... You leave me and save a whole round of this. He's listening to this episode going, I'll do it. I'll be on the episode. No, Ian, it's all right. Just go off and be a vegan. Go off and be with your famous wife, whatever her name is. Like, the vampire show's over now. You can't be on the Santa Claus 2 episode. Calm down. Um, Download our lost episodes to get that joke. Yeah. uh, Also, another TV show, which I actually was just as big of a fan of her on, uh, was a TV show called V that only lasted for two uh, yeah. years. Yeah. And I love that show. And she was so good on the show. And she was basically playing like FBI agent version of Principal Newman, just like stern, never smiles, you know, uh, really serious demeanor. Uh, she's great. I mean, she basically pops up in everything. Like she was on Once Upon a Time. The only time I ever bothered to watch Once Upon a Time was when she was on it. So <laughs> no, this Colin, is like, Colin, just to interrupt you. Every lost actor was on Once Upon a Time. That's where yeah, the lost exactly. actors go to die. <laughs> the show is just a remake of Lost with fairy tale characters. Even it's did you did terrible. you ever watch the original V mini series? Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think when I was like, not like when it first came out, but around the time Independence Day came out, somebody said to me, "I didn't like Independence Day. It was just a remake of V." And then I watched V. I'm like, they copied some shots like directly from V. Well, the the funny story I was going to say because uh, Jane Badler, who played the original, like big bad Diana yeah. woman. She, I've had her in my radio studio. She uh, was a guest in Hobart for some festival. And uh, yeah, we had her in studio. She's a, I've got a photo with her. She's a, she's a fantastic lady. Just a random story. Oh, you got to. I will. Continue. Send me the original copy. <laughs> 90 minutes. Um, All right, yeah. come on. <laughs> Elizabeth Mitchell's amazing. And uh, I actually think she gets better as much as I love like this stern principal Newman. I think she gets better the more like you warm up to her character. Like she has a really good character in this movie, 
and even like the anti-Christmas stuff here, you actually see it from the point of view. And in this scene they have, which is very similar to, you know, the principal in the first one, or I don't know, the guidance counselor in the first one, it was like, uh, we have to talk about your son thinking there's a Santa Claus. A this is kind of the opposite. It, it, was it the principal? I don't even I remember. I think she was, because yeah, I get called to the but office, is, remember? Teacher's pet. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this is the uh, the opposite of that. But even before that, I got to mention when she has the kid on the skateboard, it's like, look in my eyes, what do you see? It's cold and dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny moment. Um, you get right away like this uh, rapport that there is between Scott and her. You don't get that it's going to be a love story. And I think that's one of the things I like about this that's unpredictable because it's believable that there's this banter between them is that they just don't get along because they're on opposing sides. And maybe she's going to be the villain of this movie. Uh, you honestly have no idea if you're watching at this point. So uh, I think that makes the love story stuff a little bit later, uh, a little bit more effective. Um, so he we have the, another the only moment of this movie where he talks down to neil i think neil suffers a little bit in this movie yeah because he's not the butt of anybody's jokes and he kind of becomes a little bit goofy but i do i, I it was just kind of like a flashback to the first one where he's like i have a theory and scott just starts mocking him and i think hitting his head against the cabinet <laughs> uh, that's like a nice flashback to the uh the original one um Quick flashback to the the Santa, and this is one of my favorite moments of the Dark Santa or Darth Santa, let's call him, uh, <laughs> where they bring him the cocoa, and he just starts imitating Curtis's face, this Curtis's smile, so he gets his jaw wide open. He's just looking exactly like Curtis, and uh, it's like, do I want cocoa? And it's like, yes, have some. <laughs> and then when he has it, he's drinking it, and he's like, wow, cocoa superior refreshment <laughs> like i'm so buzzed i'm buzzed on coco <laughs> yeah coco superior refreshment i'm experiencing an incredible buzz right now uh yes. yeah darth santa's amazing uh we'll just finish off here with the scene where he kind of tells laura and everybody about uh the um and they come up with mcdonald's product placement which is pretty painful to oh, watch like how obvious so it is hungry. here <laughs> I'm going to die having a McDonald's in like a month. I'm like, oh my God, give me the McDonald's. There's only one line in here that bothers me where they're basically talking about like how bad he is with women. says, we dated for three years before you proposed. Is three years a long time to date before proposing? I was... Like, I think two, that's normal, isn't it? I was with Louise for two and a half years before I proposed. So, yeah. I mean, how old, how long would it take you with Jamie? It was probably like three, four years. It was maybe even a little bit longer, so... It's when she started buying think all those calendars. You're like, oh, shit, I better propose. <laughs> better lock this one down. I'm going to lose it to Chris Pratt. <laughs> uh, or Adam Driver. <laughs> or one of the Chris's. God, she's into all of them. I listened to your episode on Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. Chris. Better change my name to Chris. Um, yeah, let's just... I guess this is mostly just going to talk about Principal Newman here and Darth Santa. Anything you want to add? I just love Elizabeth Mitchell. I've just actually seen her. She apparently was in ER for like a, a bit. I can't remember her in ER, but um, gotta go back and watch that season. We've got to go back. We've got to go back. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's kind of interesting. Like when you watch this for like, and you know what's going to happen. I think it is kind of one of these weirdly obvious storylines where it's like, oh, they're so going to get together, you know, when they're back against each other. But um, I don't. Yeah, Neil kind of like just the scene when he shows up and he's happy to see Scott, and they like hug. Yeah. It's like really, it loses something. Yeah, and I also um the I I do like the bit though when Scott goes in there and he like salutes her. What does he like say? Like 
Prince Mitchell or something like that and just like salutes her. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I have nothing really groundbreaking to add. I mean, this, this, I think this is the stuff I actually like about this movie is kind of this real world stuff that we get. Like, I, I do kind of like the, the, the coming together of Scott and, and, uh, and the principal, even though, like, I'll nitpick about things when it comes to just kind of how quickly it takes, because, you know, I have issues with this. See our Casino <laughs> Royale episode on 007. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, and the, the uh, yeah, the Santa stuff's fun just with the whole, like, the Coco bit. I'm the buzz or whatever it is. What does he say, like, at one point, like, I am Santa Claus, boo, or something like that, or, um, I don't think that was in the movie. Maybe it the was. Australian I've written, here. I've written, I am Santa Claus, boo. And then it's like, nice, oh. try and be specific or something like that. What does he say, like, what, oh, I mean, it's kind of like the scene where he's walking around and all he's going is, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, because You're doing a, a wonderful job. Because there's a bit where, like, somebody gives him something and he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, try and be more specific next time. Like, I can't remember yeah. what that bit is. But yeah, he does. He goes, oh, I'm Santa Claus. Boo. You didn't imagine it. I just don't really yeah. have anything to say about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I did forget quite a bit of the scene. For some reason, I cut us off mid-senior. I always think that the scene ends... Where he's like, uh, there's not a woman out there that doesn't want a piece of this. Because that was kind of one of the punchlines of the trailer. Uh, but I guess there's a whole second half to that scene there where we get introduced to the character I know Ben's been waiting to talk about. Molly Are you Shannon. Ready for it? <laughs> Lucy. Little Molly Lucy. Sh- oh, Little Lucy. I thought we were up to Molly Shannon. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, stupid no. Little Lucy. Ugh. So you Ugh. even forgot there's a second half to this scene. <laughs> I just, like, I, I, I will say, isn't that a bit of fat shaming again that you won't find fat? Tim Allen uh, attractive, like fuck you, movie. I'm offended. Um, yeah, Lucy. Oh my god, this girl. Like, who is she? Like Liliana Mummy, Mummy. She's actually no. I mean, f- funny story here. Um, we're both fans of Lost in Space, the movie. I don't know if you ever yes. watched the TV show. When the movie came out, I became so obsessed with all movies, Lost in Space, the movie, that I started watching the TV show every day. And the original Will Robinson is the actress who played Lucy. That was her dad. So uh, this is, I guess, second generation here, Lost in Space alumni. She didn't get any acting lessons from a dad in this movie. Um, no, geez. she didn't. I can't. Um, I, I try hard, but yeah, she's... She's pretty attractive she's now. Not. I've just Googled her. She looks all right now, but like... Pfft, I she's a bit of a redhead, but... Um, I'm, I'm a little bit caught off guard by how good Jane Badler still looks here in your photos. I look pretty all right, too, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, I found... <laughs> The first one you're licking the side of your mouth. (laughs) As I often do when I'm around Jane Badler. This picture is like Jane in bed make a porno or something. (laughs) Like, does Zach and Miri make a porno gone wrong? I need to quickly, again, 90 minutes, Ben, 90 minutes. But I have not looked at these photos in a long time. These are all like the photos of like, you know, studio days, radio. But um, we had this group come into the studio. They were like a, you know, like a male review group that, you know, got up on stage and took their clothes off. And, you know, it's all... It's like Is it five, Thunder from Down Under? One of them. They were called, um... I can't remember, Manpower or something. But anyway, so, like, we, you know, interview with them. And then I'm like, oh, can I get a photo of you guys? And then they literally <laughs> say to me, shirt on or off? And I'm like, oh, what a hard life you have to ask that question. So, like, I'm going to send you... Okay, this is bad for our listeners. I'm sending you one picture of me with all of them with their shirts on. And then, like, you've got to give this to Jamie because then they were like, they all ripped their shirts off and I've got this photo of them all standing in the studio. These fucking ripped men. And I'm like, oh, cool, you can leave the studio now, thanks. Thank you for not appearing in that photo with them licking the side of your mouth like the one with Jamie. shirtless with them. 
That's like, you know, having a photo of like a whale surrounded by like Nemo fish going like, oh, spot the difference. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about on Lucy? I mean, we can oh, move on. I just, Lucy. I wanted to be a fuck moment Lucy. To she's annoying. She's just like, she's like, again, I don't mind children actors when they can act. Like there's, there's a difference. Like you can get like, what is she meant to be like? Six, seven. She's six, isn't she? Cause she says like, yeah. I can't get told stuff till I'm seven. So like, there are definitely like, I mean, Eric Lloyd was what? Six in the first one. Yeah, he can act. And, like, yeah. he had his moments where he was kind of annoying, but he was tolerable. Like, he, he can do it. And, like, uh, there's plenty of movies and TV shows where you've got six-year-olds who can act. This girl is not one of them. She's terrible. And I just, like, oh, just line her up with Curtis and Kenny Vadas and get the punching going on. Oh. <laughs> I just want to remind people, this is at least the third child we have threatened to hit during the Oz Network's coverage of Tim Allen Christmas month here. Um yeah, I mean, I can't defend Lucy that much. I, I understand her purpose for being in the movie. You need a kid uh, and everything. You need, I guess, something along the line. You're not going to do this with Charlie. So I, I don't know if the, maybe the movie didn't need it because I think the storyline we get with Newman is so good that we didn't need this extra tack on here. I will say she improves a lot when we get to three. So I'm interested to see if your opinions oh, on her will three. change. She is, is yeah. Like, is this she, like she's single all characters. over again? <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, I would say, I'll just say, like, I mean, it makes sense that, like, Laura and Neil would have another, ch- have a child, you know, like, I, I kind of yeah. like that aspect that they've moved on to the point where they've had that, but, like, is it necessary in that, I don't know, like, I see your point, like, I guess kind of we need that moving on aspect at the end of the movie, it's kind of sweet, but just get a better actor, like, what was Abigail Breslin doing at this point, she's about that same age, <laughs> isn't she, like, you got Spencer Breslin, Abigail Breslin's a, yeah, you know, stomachable actor. Yeah, um... No, I agree with you. There are better actors out there. Uh, if their name is Breslin, they should exist. That's all, <laughs> that's all we have to say. Just the Breslins. Right, Ben? Um, one of them. Yeah. I'll sell you on Spencer Breslin by the end of three. I'm sure I will. Because no, he becomes a more main character. Oh, I'm not Anyways. watching three. I'm, I'm not available tomorrow. Do it with Rossi. <laughs> Martin Short might uh, say. I like Martin Short. But, like, I mean, you know. Yeah. Everybody loves Martin Short. He's like the male Elizabeth Mitchell, right? Yeah, they look similar. <laughs> okay, so we're going to cover the dating sequences here. And this is where the movie uh, doesn't really work for me. Oh, uh, I like this stuff. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so the sweater thing's funny with Neil, where he's trying on the sweater before he goes out on his date. And he says he looks like a limesicle or something like that. And Neil's like, I think it looks hot. <laughs> it's just a little bit creepy here. Um, but the following scene where Tracy, his date, comes in, Molly Shannon, as he said. Yeah. I mean, I know she was kind of a big star at the time, but no, I, I've never been able to stomach her. I've never really? been able to stand her. I love Molly no. Shannon. I can't stand her, no. Uh, and especially in this movie, because I feel like, She's given way too long. I think the scene, there were some funny moments to it, but did it need to run for 17 minutes of her singing is part of my problem, you know? Um, yeah, that's just, I, the only thing I can really say about this I like is Tim Allen's reaction to her, because I was just groaning the whole time, even the first time seeing this in a theater. I'm just like, oh, shut her up. She's kind of like, you know, Liliana Mome to you. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is about her. I mean, she has some funny things she does in Saturday Night Live, I guess. But for the most part, she's just always rubbed me the wrong way. 
And this song she does is so over the top. And what what really makes it funny is when it ends and Tim Allen just has this awkward reaction. She's like, whew. Uh, and then she's like, well, you didn't like it? He goes, kind of scared me, actually. <laughs> And obviously the date goes terribly wrong, but the scene just goes on way too long for me. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't work. When he comes back from the date, I uh, uh, like that scene with Charlie a little bit more, where we get a return of the snow globe here for the first time. Uh, Charlie's explaining what happened when he hit puberty and something in his stomach started moving. Um, he got a bone up. That's that. not his stomach. Exactly. This is the... I was, I was just thinking, this is the Disney polite way of saying charlie got his first woody <laughs> well i mean we're not talking about the toy story figure if you know what i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh and also i don't like the 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 dating stuff here but i i do kind of like this next scene with lucy here where she's like uncle scott are you set now first of all is it weird that uncle is her mom's ex-husband too like there's a lot of incest in this family <laughs> it's weird that she calls him uncle dad that will is it Step? Not even Stepdad. Who is just, he? He would just be Charlie's... Hey, Charlie's dad. Like, that's all you should be calling him. He's not your uncle. He's nothing else. Uh, but when she's asking him, are you Santa? And uh, he's like, why would you say that? It's like, well, you have your own reindeer. Who has their own reindeer? He goes, lots of people. He goes, name five. He goes, well, <laughs> most of them live in Finland. And I do like can't that pronounce line. Their names. I do <laughs> like the Finland <laughs> line. That's funny. But, like, I, like, she's just that little shit of a kid. Name five. Like, that's a, that I do that I like to people. That. But, and I'm a dick. No. No, I like that. Um, no. <laughs> there's also, uh, they cut back to the North Pole here. Uh, there's a lot of fast cutting back and forth, so we're going to cover a lot of ground here. But um, when they're talking about the, the, the Santa, and this is where uh, Curtis thinks he's really fitting in and everything, and, Kurt, and Bernard's like, this morning he ate a bowl of wax fruit. <laughs> And this is where he discovers the naughty list and, you know, he starts talking about coal and everything. Uh, so this is where his plot to take over the North Pole, his beginning of the Holocaust of Elves begins, <laughs> as Ben described it. Uh, Charlie gets in trouble again. Uh, this time it's uh, in the middle of school. Like this, I don't understand. He has this very elaborate graffiti's done on the lockers it's exactly the same as the last thing he did but he's doing it in the middle of a school day and he's running like as if i don't i can't understand how they caught me it just yeah it doesn't make sense they should have done the scene at night or something or had him caught in the middle of it and he hadn't accomplished much i i don't really understand it um oh, oh, God, you're bored too like look at you <laughs> oh santa claus too this is shit. i told you this is the boring section of the movie um so yeah i don't know why he's doing it during the school uh, <laughs> when they go back to the north pole santa's like there's a lot of kids who be getting coal it's like like this boy he wiped his nose on a sister's shirt and he goes everywhere we look there's kids running with scissors they're always sticky <laughs> darth santa's amazing I'm, I'm gonna go as far as say i don't know if i was 100 percent behind darth santa when this movie first came out i think it's one of the best things about this movie the more it goes on it's the best uh, movie thing about the movie besides elizabeth mitchell <laughs> yeah well yeah and curtis come on uh, my goal in this movie is to, to keep saying that enough time so that ben gets tired enough that he answers yes at least once well i guess and agrees it works for you guys in die another day that you stuck around for the whole yeah. episode <laughs> That was my plan from the beginning of Double Offs. I've mentioned it enough by the time we get to it. You're like, oh, fine. We'll do that another day. Um, 
so the end, I guess, of his dating sequence here, or trying to become a normal person, he looks normal now for the first time, and uh, Newman is, you know, picking up on this, that he's lost weight and everything, and nobody mentions it, hey, you dyed your hair, but that should be the obvious thing here, not, you've lost a lot of weight. I love, though, that she's concerned. Other people, it's kind of like you said, hey, you've lost a lot of weight, how fat was I before? She looks like concerned. You could say this to a person who's 140 pounds already, and it's like, you lost a lot of weight, are you okay that's the appropriate. This is why this woman is so magical, because she tells us how to politely tell somebody you were fat, but you're looking better. This is the right way to do it. Um, the whole gangbanger scene here. The I don't know. I, I, another one of these scenes that drags on a little bit too long for me. I do like that they start insulting these guys where you know they're talking about the the gangbangers keeping away from my car, and she's like, I you know you have or he's like you have bigger problems like you know. You know, what your legs look like in those shorts. And she's like, yeah, I thought only swimmers shave their legs and stuff. This is a wonderful woman. <laughs> she's full of great insults for people. Uh, here's where he gives his line about, I'm a man of many sides. I'm a puzzle. I'm a Rubik's Cube with pants, which, again, is probably a way of describing a boner in a Disney movie. <laughs> Anytime somebody says something weird that's around the, that region, Sex. we're going to assume they're talking about getting witty. Yeah. Um, and then little Pamela comes up here, or as we know her here on the Oz Network, Karen, and he uses um, some of his magic. Now, this bothered me, too, because he wastes some of his magic. And all he was trying to do was what? Impress? He's not even trying to impress Carol at this point. He's trying to impress a little girl that, oh, I know your name. And, like, that's a whole point. Later on, he creates a snowstorm and two horses out of thin air, and it's, like, two points. <laughs> So I want to know the point system of Magic Gauge Watch here because it's just none of it's clear to me. But it's dumb to me because like in the first movie, he's got like a hundred kids lined up. We don't need to worry about a magic meter. He can just do it. And then like when he's going down the street and he's just kind of like Veronica, very nice. Like where's his magic gauge yeah. there? Like it's just, this is just, it's just tacked on. I just do not like this idea of him having magic that he can only use. And it's like, what's the threat? Like, oh, if it gets a zero, you can't come back to the North Pole. So he gets a zero. He ends up at the North Pole anyway. So it's kind of like there's no point to this. We should just be saying, Santa is a magical being, so I think that he should just be able to have it. I, I don't really think... I don't think that. I don't think he should have it, because then you have no plot, you have no conflict. I just don't think we should have him wasted on a little girl here, and we should have some clear system for how the points work. Uh, I just don't like it. Uh, I just do not like it at all. Um, I mean, the thing that kind of... like As much as I like kind of this rule, this is kind of the stuff in the movie that I'm actually enjoying... Uh, I'll just quickly say, Molly Shannon is amazing. You're wrong. You're an idiot. No. You, like, like this is you. I think I've mentioned this before. There's an iconic Australian show here called Kath and Kim, and America completely butchered it and they made it terrible. Uh, but she played um, Kath in the American Kath and Kim. She actually was probably the best thing about it. Um, so she was actually really kind of funny as American Kath. But no, she's great. Night at the Roxbury. Come on, like just ah, oh, she's great. Um, but. Uh, what I was going to say is, like, the, the whole real-world stuff, like, what I don't kind of get, it's just a kid's movie, is how, like, all of it... It just switches so quickly from Scott hating this woman to coming around to her house asking her for noodles. Like, it's just too, like... There's, there's not, like, there's a real 100% moment except for him getting a bit nicer with a kid. And why is she like, oh, that's sweet? Like, in 2017, if a man's talking to a kid like that, it's, oh, you're a pedo, get away from me. <laughs> like, that's how it's yeah, changed. And- 
the 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 parents aren't concerned that you know oh he just she needed to come up and talk to him they're not concerned that he knows her name Terrible and parents. that he knows everything about her yeah it's yeah this is really concerning um yeah, i'm afraid for little pamela here yeah i just don't get uh, but i do like that yeah i'm with you about santa at the like toy santa and can i just point out like is he actually doing anything wrong like because like He's reading the rules. So many people in this place have just been like, oh, no, rules get by the wayside. Like, I'm I'm with Toy Santa here. Like, you know, if if the rules of the Santa guidebook say if you wipe your nose on your sister, you get coal, and, hey, sorry, (laughs) you get coal. Like, you've been a little shit. So, like, what's the leeway? And what does this teach kids watching this movie? Like, oh, you've got to be good in order to get presents. Oh, but, oh, I can get away with doing this to my sister because the elves don't care. Uh, Like, I'm kind of... Well, I don't think there's a lot of kids who are taking this as elf doctrine, okay? (laughs) Again, Curtis... He's just dumb. He's programmed this thing with all its memories. So what memories does secretly Scott Calvin have that he wants to, like, <laughs> secretly run the Gestapo-style North Pole? And can we also Well, you just... know, yes. never, in, never in my wildest dreams. Well, maybe in my wildest dreams. So, yeah, there we're getting a clue as to the wildest dreams here of what Scott could do, the links he'd go to. And we have not mentioned him at all in this film. For shame, Colin Hilding, because he sucks, and I think we need to bag him out. Stupid Comet, and the stupid talkingness yeah. of stupid <sighs> Comet. When is this a thing? Like, all he did yeah. was grunt. Are you growling at me? But now, yeah, exactly. He's like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I remember when this movie came out, Roger Ebert, and I think he gave it a somewhat positive review, or at least had good things to say about it. And he basically said Comet is the new Jar Jar Binks. Which I don't oh, he's get worse the Jar Jar Binks. Jar Binks. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I mean I understand why some people would be annoyed with Jar Jar. I have never been that annoyed. Like I'm like, okay, is did they go a little bit too far with Jar Jar at times? Yes, but it's not like if you hear Hashtag him speak Jar Jar, once. Yeah, you know, like nobody hated Jar Jar until they saw the full movie and realized there's just way too much of him in it. When you saw Jar Jar, in the, it's not like the first time you heard Jar Jar in the trailers. You used to think the people were gonna die. People actually liked Jar Jar. He made the cover of Rolling Stone magazine before the movie came out. So he wasn't annoying just by one line. If you hear Comet speak once, if you hear one time, you're immediately like, just get somebody shoot this thing. Somebody Bambi mom this thing. (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen Bambi. What happens to Bambi's mom? (laughs) What are you saying, Colin? Uh, Old Yeller Comet behind the North Pole barn. And put Chet in there, because Chet is far less annoying than Comet is. And Lucy, uh, and Ken <laughs> So we're going to do a rank system here. Um, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bend to rank them. Uh, so, Comet or Chet? Uh, do I have to? <laughs> yes, have to. Pick one. I'm going with the Santa Claus 1 Comet. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't... Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so you just picked Comet. Comet, because that's what I'm accepting. Uh, Lucy or Curtis? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> this is like... <laughs> you, sounded, you sounded legitimately appalled there. This is like choosing if I like would be murdered or raped. Like, um... <laughs> This is like, would you rather Sarah Jessica Parker or <laughs> be <laughs> Arthur? <laughs> Be Arthur in a heartbeat. Which, that's what I was going to say. The right answer is be Arthur. 
Um, oh, I'd go with Curtis just because I, it means I could probably like go around to his house at Christmas and like chat up Abigail Breslin. <laughs> okay, I'm with you there. Uh, <laughs> Lucy or Comet in this movie? Oh, Comet when he's fat so he can sit on Lucy and kill her. <laughs> so Lucy really is your most hated character in this movie. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, by default, yes. <laughs> I just I needed to know where the majority of your hatred is directed uh, as we continue on here, but no, you're right. Comet, nothing about Comet works in this movie. Um, when Comet reappears at the end, I'm kind of wishing they just left him there to die. <laughs> Which is just dumb when he gets fat and oh. <laughs> they we're not editing anything out of this. I won't even tell you what. <laughs> no, I will tell you. Ben just sent sent me earlier the thunder down under of shirtless guys to send to my wife, and he just photoshopped. He sent me a picture of Noah, and then he photoshopped Noah's head on all the shirtless guys. <laughs> Tweeted out with our episode. <laughs> I'm gonna send that to Noah right now. <laughs> this is how last minute our Christmas week is. We have no time to edit out us pranking other hosts of the show. The funniest bit about it is what I can't remember what I said last. It was like an awkward pause. All of a sudden, you hear Colin just go. <laughs> Sounds like I completely lost it for no reason. Um, while we wait for Noah's reaction, this is Joan Allen has a large dog on Wikipedia all over again. Um, so this is the section of the movie I, <laughs> I literally just sent it to our little chat group on Facebook. I haven't even said like, oh lol, Noah, look what we've done. I've just sent it to him with no explanation. I just want to see what he says. <laughs> Turns into the Jamie. She might get. She might all of a sudden be like, "Oh, Colin, we should talk to Noah more." (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to the movie. I can tear my eyes away from the screen. (laughs) So the toy soldier army's out. Uh, You mentioned what did you call this before? Uh, Oh, I can't even remember. I put it in here as like. Santa soldiers, basically the SS of the North Pole. <laughs> this is just so wrong. Um, but yeah, it's all setting up the climax. My favorite section of the movie here. And there's two scenes back to back, which I would actually put above anything in the first Santa Claus, or maybe at least on level with the greatest scene in the Santa Claus. And that's this first, you know, how he asks her out. <laughs> I was just, um, I was thinking if you, uh, I don't know if you, you, you wanted to get some noodles. <laughs> and then it's just this awkward silence, like, or some pie. <laughs> the first time we see her smile or laugh in this movie is where she kind of just mocks him and says, like, is that your idea of like a good date, noodles and pie? And just sort of walks away from him. I want and noodles have this and pie, pop- yum. I, I, I mean, noodles and pie together, no, but separately. A noodle pie. Yeah, noodle pie. What do you would you go to? No, we we're going to rank him again. Noodles or pie? <laughs> well, okay. What are you referring to as pie here? Because pie in Australia is like meat pie. That's like a very national dish of Australia, like a, well, a mincemeat pie. Here. Yeah, um, you, you would have. 
Oh, no, like if it's a savoury pie. Oh, I don't know. I like noodles. So, uh, well, that's a tough one, <laughs> Colin. That's very this is tough. the most involved I've gotten him in talking about the Santa Claus too. Is it noodles that's, or pie? <laughs> that's like saying, would you rather that hot horse or Abigail Breslin? Like, shit. Um, <laughs> Sexy horse or Abigail Breslin, noodles or pie? You just can't decide. Can I ride the horse with Abigail Breslin behind? Like, I mean, um, well, that sounded wrong. Um, we apologize. Spencer, who's probably listening to this episode, to hear the first mention of his name since 2006. Oh, he's he's like already messaged us. Can I be on the next episode? No, you can't. Just go away. <laughs> uh, but it's such a good scene. They get into their whole thicker thin crust. You know, the the movie. This is his Tim Allen moment where he talks about the car. Uh, I will say, I watched two Tim Allen movies back to back today. I watched the Santa Claus two because we had to cover it. And I've mentioned on many other shows, like when, whenever I show these things, usually. I can't avoid it. I have my 19-month-old baby running around, and he responds to some things. The most I've ever seen him respond to anything live-action was the Santa Claus 2, and it's not even just the North Pole stuff. Like, this scene where he pulls up, his new thing is he's discovered how to say the word car, and all we hear is car all day. He picks up a toy. Car! Car! We're watching TV, and somebody drives by. Car! We're walking down the street. Car! Car! It's just nonstop. That's all I've had run through my head all day. He loved the minivan. <laughs> the first thing to get Casper's attention in this movie was not even the toy soldiers. It was Neil's minivan. So recommendation there, Tim Allen, the tool guy. Uh, I also watched El Camino Christmas Today, which is the Netflix movie I think we mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a bad movie. Uh, I also thought it was kind of the alternate Santa Claus 4, which is kind of funny. Uh, the escape clause, if it had worked. Um, but yeah, that's another episode. Maybe next year, El Camino Christmas, along with... Uh, home improvement christmas specials or something but Um, i love this scene when you know they go out and he uses his magic you don't realize the magic of the time and there's the sleigh there with the horses and you know you say that i don't like any type of romance in movies i do if it's tim allen elizabeth mitchell like because this is a really nice scene and i'm rooting for this love story and i was not the age where i would be rooting for love stories when this movie came out i'd normally be like you know uh, let 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 Liam Neeson kill somebody already. But no, I really love these two together. And I'm going to argue, outside of Patricia Richardson, who played Tim Allen's wife on Home Improvement, I think this is the best chemistry he's had with any actress he's been in a movie with. And Tim Allen generally has really good chemistry with his female leads. Like Even if you look at one that's just kind of, not even love story, but just Sigourney Weaver and him, great in Galaxy Quest together. Uh, but this scene in the the uh, sleigh here is fantastic. And she mentions the whole baby doll thing. And you actually kind of feel sad, kind of sad for her. She really is the star of this movie. Uh, when they show up at the, um, the, uh, the, the, party. the party here. Yeah. Also, I want to mention the scene. I love how he goes back and forth when she's mentioning, you know, my dad set up a cot so Santa could take a nap. Like Santa has enough time to take a nap. I mean, he's not delivering presents everywhere. And then he realizes, oh, I probably shouldn't be talking about this. And then she's like, yeah, he put carrots for the reindeer. That's good because people don't always think of the reindeer and they love carrots. Like, yeah, and I'd wake up and the carrots are nodding. No, they don't nod it. They swallow them whole. A really good carrot. They also like bell peppers. (laughs) Um, But... The next scene, just as good, the uh, office Christmas party, which for a woman who won't allow office decorations, she sure seems okay with, like, decorations, carolers. Like, she went all out for this party, and just nobody else is into it, apparently. Um, But I love where she's apologizing. It's like, I owe you one for him coming. It's like, no, this is great. Look, that guy moved. (laughs) You see this guy just sort of move his elbow? (laughs) I like that. This scene is so good. I, I don't think you could trash anything about this. 
you know, he gets up on stage and he announces the Secret Santa, and she's thinking like, no, this is these aren't real presents. And he goes, no, I've got the other ones backstage and everything. At first, where he goes, I'm just going to say a word, and he yells the word. You all been waiting to hear it. He's like, fire! <laughs> <laughs> um, he calls up little JJ. And he gives out the first present. I, I, I just love the scene. This is one of these scenes where it's like it, the, the movie has a really good heart. And you really just it's such a nice story. And he hands out these presents and this miserable JJ comes up. And, it's toss across. <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. When I was kidding. Everybody basically gets their childhood favorite toy, which, you know, the, we get the montage with uh, Run Run Rudolph playing. And, uh, you know, I also wondered with this scene, though, you know, we see at the North Pole, they're making original creations. These are all copywritten toys. So, like, do the elves like? They're they're making stuff. They're 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 not getting profits as we learned, but they're still they're manufacturing competition that is taking away from the revenue of companies like you know the Parker Brothers and Hasbro here, and it just seems like a huge copyright issue to me. Um, I'll be out of contract law next month, I promise. But I'm the only one bothered by that. <laughs> you're really into this contract law. Like, you're going it's, crazy. It's, Fuck, I've never been so excited. Contract law, yes. Excited. It's like, I want it to be done. No more contract law, please. Let Christmas come. Uh, let me move on to something else. But yeah, I just, I, that's, uh, we mentioned about how they're never making anything else. Well, apparently they do. They make 30-year-old games here. Um, it also doesn't make sense how these things just appear. Because obviously he has the magic to rate toys, so why are the elves even working? Now we really are seeing it as a slavering. Because the elves don't have to work. He can materialize <laughs> them out of thin air. Um, yeah. And again, I will go on record, and this is not even a joke or trying to say this to, you know, get on Ben's nerves. I believe the Santa Claus 2 is a better love story than Titanic. You oh take the God. scene oh, where he I'm gives down. her the baby doll, and then... You know, he's talking about the thing in his stomach, and he's basically uh, talking about getting a Woody here, <laughs> getting a uh, butt, getting a Woody, uh, and he makes the mistletoe appear. It's a fantastic scene. Come on, uh, I love this scene. You, you can't knock this one. Uh, well, I love this scene, but that's like me saying that the battle at the end of this is better than the battle at the end of a New Hope. Like that's just well, a, a new dumb thing a to good say, Colin. Titanic is okay. <laughs> Uh, this is dumb, 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 dumb. Let's That's just greatest hit to the end of this year. The dumb things that Colin Hilding says. Let's just tack on the <laughs> That's last. The only one. thing, the rest of Ben's. But <laughs> because uh, let's just tack on this next one because I love this next scene too. So we'll just talk about all three of the the great Carol scenes here. Um, at her house when Charlie shows up, and here's again why I don't like Charlie in this movie. Like you know, he's gotten enough trouble. It's all his own fault. So he decides he wants to, you know, vandalize his principal's house. What did she ever do to him? Like, nothing. This kid, he has it coming to him. Ben, put him on the list. <laughs> you just made the list, Charlie. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, I, will, I will agree with you that he's one of those kids who does naughty things. He's like, oh, oh me? I didn't do anything. Yeah, you yeah. did, you little shit. Like, shut up. Yeah, I'm and little, you there. little Danielle here, it's like, is your dad hanging out with Principal Newman? Like, so what if he is? I mean, use <laughs> this other guy that's all of a sudden showed up. Is, she, is he your backup plan? Because yeah, exactly. Charlie didn't kiss you when he's going to little skank. Or, or that's Charlie's wingman or something. I don't know. Um, he's a skank even... too. They're both skanks. <laughs> Who is he? We're going to do any child skank gang. We've been doing child abuse for two films, and now we're basically calling children skanks. <laughs> this is a great podcast for <laughs> Disney films. <laughs> I was trying to be gender neutral there and not just call the girl a skank. The boy's a skank too. Uh, 
Charlie's a skank. They're all skanks. But we get the scene here where he reveals himself to her, and you really see the, like, the flirtation. Like Again, the chemistry between them is just so good. And she is so charming in this scene, and he's so charming. And it's just that they're, they're like they're the dream couple of 2002. Uh, not Anakin and Padme. It's, it's Principal Newman and Scott Calvin. Um, and I love that they put the line in here about uh, she, he's saying, like, you know, I, I'm away for long periods of time. And uh, uh, I sleep a lot when I'm done my work. And I have a big white beard. I love what she's saying. I'm usually much bigger than this. She's like, so am I sometimes. And he's like... I have a big white beard. She's like, I don't. <laughs> She's like, okay, you you uh, work a long way from home. Uh, you've never been to prison, and you, you don't wear socks with sandals. And he goes, well, and you know that they are making it sound like the whole socks with sandals thing. He's making a joke. Well, but guaranteed, whoever wrote this was writing it as a joke about Tim Allen. You've never been to prison. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say that's the closest Disney's ever come to acknowledging Tim Allen's prison history here. Uh, but when he says that he's Santa, she really just loses it with him. And you can understand why. And I, this is why it bo- maybe I'm just bothered by him wasting the magic on Pamela that much <laughs> because all he needed was one thing here. And what if he had just shown up? Like if he even said, don't reveal it to her because nobody's going to believe this. I mean, Charlie's schoolmates in you know, the, the first grade didn't believe him. Why is Principal Newman, 30-something years old, who hasn't believed in Santa since Baby Doll didn't show up for Christmas, she's never going to believe you. Take her to the house. Say, I'm going to tell you something, but first I want to show you this. And she puts Common before him. It's like, hey, Common. And he goes, and it's like, you got a freaking talking reindeer. Are you Santa Claus or something? That's the way you <laughs> bring this girl into your world. It's just, he made the wrong choice here. So, uh, but I love all three of these scenes together. This is the best section of the movie. And this is probably the main reason why I still say to this day, I love this movie. Iconic couples of 2002, Peter Parker and MJ, Anakin <laughs> and Padme, James Bond and Jinx, oh. Santa Claus. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm just sad. We, is there a deleted scene? I don't like sand. It's coarse. It's rough. It's irritating. Gets I don't everywhere. like snow. Would be it in this one. Yeah, I was thinking that. Um, this is the part where I'm actually watching, going, okay, maybe this movie isn't that bad. Because I, I do like all this stuff. I like kind of this whole uh, scene. I know you kind of gone over a whole lot there, but I'll just you know focus on this. The, the, I mean, it does it does irk me that again, as I said, kind of she changes the tune pretty quickly, and they basically fall in love with the space of three hours. Um, you know, I mean, what, you may they... turn around and say, "Oh, I'm Titanic." Yeah, Titanic. That's at least little... over like 36 hours. Oh, please. This is. <laughs> This is like legitimately he shows up at her house to ask her out and to which she's just like, oh, I need a date for the Christmas thing tonight. Uh, like, uh, there's no precedent. No, you're wrong. Uh, there's no <laughs> I haven't precedent. made my argument yet and I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are because you made a stupid thing about Titanic. But like, um, I, I agree with you completely. The chemistry here is amazing. Like, these two really do have great chemistry and it's great. But, um... Like, we're going to get, in a couple of whatever minutes, him admitting he loves her. Like, I know you've got to get 28 days, Scott Calvin, but, like, like, can he not just get a mail-order bride? Like, can we just solve this in, like, five seconds? Can he not just go to RussianBrides.com and then just get one? Boom. Here's, you know, Tatiana. Oh, hello, Scott. I'd love to be Mrs. Claus. Yes. That makes Um, a lot of sense, too, because... Like, this this movie is all about, or this whole trilogy is all about legal clauses and contracts. It's just technicalities. 
All he needs is something on a piece of paper that says, I married this woman. And, like, he just can legitimately, like, God, how many people go to America and just get married to become a citizen? Like, he's yeah. just legitimately got to go find, like, you know, Rosita or somebody like that. Like, <laughs> do you want to become a citizen? Marry me. Simple. Like, done. Like, you know, it's, just, it's really that. Oh, but he falls in love with Elizabeth Mitchell. It's nice. Um, but I, I do, like, it's a sweet, like, see when he, you know, gets the um, the reindeer and uh, the reindeer, the horses <laughs> uh, with the sleigh and kind of makes it snow. And that's kind of nice. And I do like the Christmas party. That's kind of fun. I love that line you said about, like, oh, look, someone just moved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But like, I, I love I love JJ. When he's like, "This is toss across," toss <laughs> and then he's like, "But he's toss across." This. <laughs> wait, wait, is that an American Canadian thing? I've never heard of toss across before. I don't know. But um, mousetrap. Like, I want to play mousetrap. I love mousetrap. Um, yeah. I mean, I I agree with pretty much everything you say except for the Titanic, and that's just dumb. As I keep saying, yeah, Charlie and his skank friends like throwing stuff at the house makes no sense. Uh, I mean, legitimately, who is that kid? Like, there's nothing, like, I've, I've got to guess there's deleted scenes in here somewhere because even the bit with Charlie when he's admitting he got a boner before, <laughs> you're kind of, like, thinking that he's going to get, like, a nice little kissing scene with this skank at the end, but that kind of goes nowhere. Yeah. It's just him talking to his dad about, like, oh, i got a boner, Dad. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and what does he say? Like, oh, I need to go to sleep now. I'm tired. No, you're going to jerk off, you little <laughs> shit. Like, just, come on. Can you turn up the light? 15. Pass me the Kleenex. You know, oh, <laughs> I've got a picture of Danielle here in the yearbook. Quickly, Dad. I'm thinking of my friend now that I've known for years. Dude, little skank, Charlie. Um, But, like, I do kind of like Scott's go-to here. Again, I know we're going to move this along. He's got to get married. But, like, again, this is, like, his first date with this woman. He's lucked into it. Like, she could have just said, no, I don't want to go for noodles and pizza with you i'm going to my party bugger off and then like within three hours i've had this magical night fair enough he's done all these magical things and she's like ah, ah, i don't know how you did it but then like you know oh by the way i'm santa like really like you just like you're going for that straight away scott this is where you literally say okay you're not gonna believe this okay i'm santa just just ignore that bit i need to get married all right like yeah. i'm gonna lose my job like, that simple. Like, don't go on with a, I'm Santa. <gasps> oh, oh, no, you're not. Oh. And yeah, as you said, get the talking ranger. Get your sleigh. Like, you know, just like do something to prove you're Santa. Like, freaking, they believed, Neil believed it in the first movie, eventually. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from this point on, we're basically going to cover the rest of the movie. Uh, like, we'll start off just because it follows up the last one. You know, we talk about how she shouldn't believe him. This is where Charlie annoys me the most in this movie. And the funny thing is, he doesn't annoy me so much. I keep saying, oh, I can't stand Charlie in this. It's not like I really hate Charlie. I still don't mind Charlie. It's just the way the character's written. And I think they're actually doing a good job with him because they're making him your typical teenager. But this one scene makes no sense where Charlie's talking about, you know, uh, do you know how hard it is for me that I can't tell people my dad is Santa? Look, your six-year-old schoolmates didn't believe that your dad was Santa. What makes you think that... 15-year-old Danielle and, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Third Act of the Threesome here is going to skank, is going to believe this. Like, he's an idiot if he thinks that he could tell anybody this, and they wouldn't. (laughs) Noah says, I don't get it. (laughs) Just update everybody. Doesn't help that I just saw the picture again for the first time in 15 minutes. <laughs> um, back to the movie. 
90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's just... By the way, what do we have for our time, Ben? We're not going to edit this out. Um, past 90 minutes. All right, keep All right. going. Almost there. <laughs> one. But yeah, like, he's like, I can't tell anybody my dad's Santa. I'm like, you're 15 years old. You're going to get beaten up if you ever suggest that. <laughs> I would beat him up. I'd beat him up even if he didn't suggest it. But come on, like, this would really seal the deal. We're still encouraging violence against children, apparently. Um, is it really that hard of a secret to keep if nobody would believe him? Seriously? Uh, uh, yeah, I love that first one. It's like, all right, let's get this right, Santa. Um, I'd love to hear what Mr. Wingman's going to say to that. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 they start playing Go Fish and everything, which is when Curtis shows up here. Um, no, come on, this it's scene with Curtis is jet great. Pack. No, it's not great, it's dumb. He's no. got a stupid jetpack, he falls down, oh, I'm his work friend from Buffalo. Buff- I'm like, like no. Buff- yeah. Dumb. Okay, whatever. Ben's wrong. <laughs> end of podcast. We don't need to talk about the end. I need a confident... Santa Claus is two is a better love story than Titanic. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. I can find at least one person that agrees with me. Uh, I'm going to find a list of the top five. ten greatest romantic movies of all time, and Santa Claus 2 is not going to be on it. <laughs> I can find at least five people who agree with me. Most of them, Name are, them. Fin- They're all from Finland. Most of them are Finland, and you can't pronounce their names, but I'll find five of them, okay? Moving on. All right. I've literally, I've literally typed in greatest romantic movies of all time. It's come up with pictures. We've got When Harry Met Sally. I've never seen it. I don't, whatever. Pretty Woman. Sleepers in Seattle. Titanic, number four. Fuck you and your stupid Santa Claus shit. That doesn't mean it's not a terrible movie, Ben. Why would okay, you Colin. I wasted five and a half hours of my life on that movie, and you won't stop talking about it. Just, let's move back. We're going to be... Or not Titanic, we're going to be... I guess Titanic on the brain is too late at night to be doing this, okay? Jesus, I've never heard Colin go off like this before. Elizabeth Mitchell, Elizabeth Mitchell. Back, back. Wow. Down. I'm scared all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like the Canadian Hulk. <laughs> um, what are I, you doing, eh? I like the Buffalo stuff. You're wrong about that. Uh, I do like that he... And, and, come on. I thought if one moment of this movie was going to sell you on Curtis, it would be this, where she's like, you know, why do you have pointy ears? And he goes, uh, I didn't eat my green vegetables. And he's like, all sinister, do you eat your green vegetables? And she covers the ears like, Mommy! <laughs> he's torturing it's literally the, your least favorite character here. But it's literally the two least favorite characters trying to have a comedic moment here. This is like, I don't know, Natalie Portman and who's somebody else you hate having a Oz. scene together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, them. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, here comes the other scene that I absolutely hate, along with the Molly Shannon scene. Comet, like we didn't need the Comet scene to be in this movie. Uh, I don't know why we even needed Comet in this movie. Period. But Comet here now he's being fat shamed in this movie. <laughs> oh. Put on weight so he can't fly anymore. Uh, fire in the hole. Here comes fart jokes. Fart jokes are okay. Not if it's Comet. But I will say. I love Tim Allen's line. It's like, eat some roughage, would you? <laughs> um, and then some more stuff that doesn't need to be in the movie. So, again, this is going to take away a little bit for me. The tooth gag, it makes sense. How are you going to get there? We'll get the tooth fairy to come. Why Scott has to yank his tooth out, I don't know. He probably has him, like, on speed dial or something. Or maybe he has his pager number in 2002. But uh, the thing where Judge Reinhold ties the toaster on the edge of the tooth, again, way too playful for Judge Reinhold. Uh, and just the fact that the toaster drags him over the balcony, uh, it's, it makes no, physically, it makes no sense. Like, how heavy is that toaster? The toaster would have to outweigh Tim Allen for that to happen. 
And what's what's Tim Allen here? About 165, 170 maybe? This is a 180-pound mm. toaster. Um, I've never gotten this hole. Like, I never did that. Like, just, you But know, do you have like, a Chikuri mm. there? Uh, what, in Australia? Um, yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, is this like a legitimate thing? Because yeah. she's fictional, right? <laughs> well, like, does he visit there? Or is, is is he there during your summers or winter? <laughs> no, but like... She, she, comes, she comes on Thursdays. Yeah, like, you have... You know the the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, fictional characters. Where oh, you lock yeah, they're normal. Yeah, I mean, I put teeth in glasses of water and got money for it. So you, you put know. Them in glasses of water, we put them under our pillow. Well, that's just dumb. It'll go off. Like, I mean, how are you meant to put money under the pillow? Like, that's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Tooth Fairy. The thing that also that bothers me is that Lucy gets excited when she loses. That's the the gag here. She just loses a tooth. Um, so she puts it under a pillow. Again, this is very early bedtime for her because this whole end of the movie would have to take place over several hours. And what does he need to, uh, get married by midnight or something? But we see that he starts his deliveries at like 6 PM, apparently in the first movie. Um, when Lucy loses a tooth, she's a little bit too excited for a kid who knows she should be sleeping. Like if it's Christmas and I lose a tooth, I'm just putting that thing in a glass until morning and not worrying about whether the, the tooth fairy shows up because I'm like, Santa brings me real presents, not a dollar. Uh, <laughs> I know he's not real, but just thought I'd get that out there. <laughs> I got $2. Oh, my parents were cheap. It, uh, yeah, really inflation. Cheap. Can I just tell a cheap story about my dad? My dad made really good money. Uh, he wouldn't let us flush the toilet unless we took a dump. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, you could have every person in the house, like, do nothing but pee all day, and that bowl is filled to the, like, to the rim, yellow, and you don't flush the toilet or somebody's taking a dump. And that's what, what she it? was it, for water. The whole, um, if it's yellow, let it mellow, if it's brown, flush it down. Yeah, exactly. But, like, he made good money. <laughs> Like, why are we living... But did you have to pay for water? I never had to yeah. pay for water growing well, up. Well, we lived uh, out, of, out of town, uh, like, outside of Winnipeg at this point. They would come with a water truck and fill you up however many times a year. So... Wow. We didn't have, That's there wasn't really even, like, archaic. Yeah. I mean, it was actually a new town, but it's just... It was so small that there was no, like, developed, you know, water system there or anything. Um, <laughs> wow. You know, there's a thing called rain, right? Did, like did I also mention now. that, again, he had the same job, made good money, and just because he didn't like people, he lived two hours outside the city. We lived on a farm with no toilet in the house, and I would have to walk a few minutes to our outhouse when I was three years old in the middle of winter to go to the bathroom. Oh, listen to the the whole terrible childhood of Colin Hildy. We had to drag 17 logs just to the letterbox <laughs> to pick up our Christmas cards from our grandmother <laughs> well, as a test. This was, but this wasn't even like, oh, this is the hardships of growing up. This is just, I had the world's cheapest dad and, and the world's most antisocial dad. Apparently, we, my mom had to take. We're talking about a well, not like a well you pump, but like a bucket on a string. And she would have to take well water and spend six hours <laughs> boiling it so she'd have enough to wash dishes and cook dinner. And this is because this my is like- dad didn't like people. <laughs> like the 1800s or something like how backwards is canadian farmland like jesus and and again he didn't have a farm he wasn't farming crops he worked as a social worker in the city and drove two hours each direction every day so that he wouldn't have to live around people even though he chose to be a social worker and work with people now i'm getting worked up again 
You want to hear another Moisture funny thing? Moisture farmer with blue milk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drinking it right out of the nipple like in The Last Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> don't. Just don't even mention that scene. Um, yeah, I mean, we lived so primitively that when we first moved into the small town that didn't have plumbing, my mom looked out the window the day we moved in and saw me peeing in the neighbor's yard as they were staring out their window at this strange kid. And she had to explain, we have toilets in the house now, Colin. <laughs> this, is, this explains you and your brothers pissing all over the Calgary logo in the flower bed. Yeah. Jesus. Anyways. Just whip it out. <laughs> Even in front of the Queen of England. <laughs> you are. You go to London. Jamie, look at that. The Queen. I'm going to peace. Whee! <laughs> we should get back to the Santa Claus here wrap this up. Um, when he finally gets dropped off by the Tooth Fairy, he has this nice little moment where he's like, uh, I think your wings are very masculine. And he goes, and he calls him Roy or whatever. He's like, you don't think they're too girly or whatever. Uh, Charlie shows up in the morning and shows the principal the snow globe from the first movie. And I don't really understand how this works. Like, if this is the easiest way Me to neither. do it, couldn't... Like, I actually have a real question about the snow globe. They have that line in the first movie where he goes, you know, seeing isn't... Or believing isn't seeing, seeing is believing. Or maybe it's the opposite. And the whole idea I got from that was that if you look at the snow globe and actually do believe, you know, or you're open-minded enough, you might see this magical snow globe. But if you don't, you're just going to see a regular snow globe. Uh but I don't really get the logic of the snow globe. Yeah, I... This would have been I think it's, um, him to tell her, I'm Santa Claus. Look, I've got a magic snow globe. I think it's Judy, doesn't she say, like, seeing isn't believing, believing is yeah. seeing. Yeah. So that's kind of what he says, which it's a bit cheesy. Like, I get it's a throwback to the first one. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I remember that from the first one. But I just don't get this at all because she looks in and sees a bit of, like, blights and shit. Yeah. And then the next minute she's, oh, I love you, Scott. Let's get married. You know, like... We just logically understand that this woman is, you know, she's she's worked her way up through the system and she's become a principal of the most respected school in the district, she says at one point. Like, they've got the best students. Like, sure, she's a bit of a dictator, but she's obviously a good enough principal that they, they work hard enough. And she's just basically willing to give this all up over one night with Scott Calvin <laughs> um, because otherwise Santa, like, she's so pressured into I know I'm jumping well ahead right. here. We think Scott Calvin's pressured in the first movie. It's literally like, oh, I've got, like, ten minutes to get married otherwise Santa Claus isn't there and no kids get toys. Well, you want to marry me? <laughs> Look, we, we know Curtis's reaction to Plastic Santa's dong. <sighs> uh her curiosity's at least peaked enough that she's willing to commit to marriage, I'm saying that. Can't, like, like I mean, you know, I know it's 2002 and it wasn't legal, but can't Curtis just marry Santa? <laughs> like, I mean, you know... <laughs> Problem solved! This movie wasn't a dizzy movie and a little bit homophobic. Just freaking marry Bernard! You know? Like, done! <laughs> marry one of the little girl elves! Who's Judy. the new Judy in this yeah. movie? Forget the like, guy in rapping. Yeah. He's he's old news. <laughs> but, like, but this is a legitimate thing. Like, the little girl in this movie, but, oh, we can't have that because it looks like an old man's marrying. Like, that little girl gives me the shits at the end when she's, like, talking to I know I'm jumping well ahead here, but, like, who is she? But, like, just, <laughs> like she's meant to be 900 years old. It's not pedophilia. She's older than him. So, like, just marry the little elf. Done. This coming from the man who said, that's one sexy horse a few episodes ago. Well, I can't say she's sexy because the actress is like, hey, that's wrong. <laughs> I'm a pedophile, I'm a horsephile. Uh, I, I will say this is a 
funny story. I think Jamie told me don't say it on the episode. It's not like she was saying it inappropriately. Say it, but say it, say it. When Judy first appears in the first movie, Jamie's like, there's a sexy elf. And I'm like, I think the actress is like nine. Wow. Jamie's like, no, I'm saying I bet you like 10 years later she was a pretty sexy elf. Um, which well, I don't know, Ben, you can Google 900, she doesn't age. <laughs> I think she was referring to, like, the actress who would probably turn out to be... Oh, you know, I'm sure she probably did. But, like, yeah. that's that's like that. we had a TV show here where basically... Uh, long story, but they, they would talk about, like, being in grade 10 and going out with, like, a grade 7, like a 17-year-old going out with a 13-year-old. And, like, oh, isn't that wrong? It's like, oh, yeah, but you can say they're hot. You can put them on lay-by. So then, like, there was, like, this thing. Do you know what lay-by is? Like, lay-away, I yeah. guess. Um, so, like, people would, like, Say this in, you know, look at a 13. You know, oh, that'll be hot one day. I'll put them on later. That's kind of inappropriate, people. Like, yeah, I get it. You can sort of look and go, well, they're going to grow up. They're going to be a very attractive person. But That's you don't say it until true. they're like old. It's not like Jamie was preying on little girls. I mean, <laughs> we clearly know her type is the exact opposite. Big Well, maybe she's, she's experimental. That works out for you. But anyway. <laughs> what, with little girls? No, like with grown-up girls. Get your that sick mind out of the gutter. The rest Still is good, though. I have no response from her from the uh, the shirtless men, so I'm going to send her the shirtless Noah picture to see if we get a response in the other room. <laughs> We're getting out on the episode. <laughs> um, all right, uh, where are we at here? Uh, okay, so the oh, whole I don't even now. know. Are they married yet? First thing I just want to say, <laughs> the music in this entire movie is fantastic. This movie has a great score, and I wish I could find it somewhere because I think there's only like one track that was ever released. But this whole climax, the action music that ha- that happens here, the 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 kind of love theme that plays with uh, Newman and Scott's great. This movie has an amazing soundtrack, and I can like you know listen to this all day if I could ever find it. And I wish I could find it. And, uh, if somebody out there has a copy, I'll buy it off you if you have just the score for the Santa Claus 2, which I don't think exists. Uh, but this the thing where he shows up at the North Pole and now becomes a fight. You know, the toy soldiers have taken over. Bernard's uh, in prison or whatever. And, uh, oh, there we go. She did turn out to be a sexy elf, huh? <laughs> nah. Um yeah, Lucy or Judy. There's the next poll. Not at the ages of this movie. Let's move oh, on. Oh, Lucy. Lucy's hot now, whereas in this movie, she's illegal. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, let's clarify that. This no ed- We said it, no editing. We're clearing it up now. Later ages, <laughs> much older. Anyways, uh, I always like this. As, even though it is over the top and it's you know kind of cartoony, that's what this movie is. It's fun action stuff. We get like this battle with the elves. You know, this, we get Silly String, we get them, you know, with these trip lines and snowmobiles, and Bernard's going crazy here, he's got his road rage issues, uh, and the big battle with Scott, which is also when he first jumps on Chet and everything, and this is where I don't mind Chet, uh, and the music again, like, the music for this chase scene is fantastic, um, when he first jumps on the sleigh and the, the evil Darth Santa is there, he says something along the line, whoa, look at him, he's an action hero, which I always love the, uh, those background lines I've mentioned many times. Um, uh, you can really painfully notice how bad the, uh, the double looks, and this is where a Rush movie, not spending as much time on the effects, obviously they're not going to have two Tim Allens, and they could digitally remove the other one's face, but they figure he's in makeup, it's not that noticeable. When you watch this one on Blu-ray, when you watch it in high definition, it is so obvious in the scene where they're battling uh, in the the sleigh right at the end before they crash that this is a completely different man. 
Um, but it's not like it's a big deal or anything, but it's just like it's it's a very clear uh, moment where they didn't want to spend the extra money on the budget, which Jamie also brought up something interesting in this movie. Compared to the first movie, you notice how few of the elves have their ears showing. Most of them have hats and hair covering it, almost as if because they knew they had some bigger effects with like the animatronics for the reindeer and some of the CGI they'd have to do in this, that they needed to cut on the budget of ears or something. But maybe you didn't even notice that. I, I didn't even notice that. I didn't see the ear budget being cut. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she, she noticed something in this movie. There's no shirtland men in this movie. Um, yeah. Which did you did you mention? Didn't you say last, yesterday that she was going to? She mentioned something about shirtless men in the first one. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she kind of mentioned it, not shirtless, but like when Tim Allen was appearing in his boxer shorts at the beginning of the movie. She's like, yeah, he's not bad for his age. And then later on, when it was Fat Santa jogging on the treadmill and his be- belly's flopping out, she just kind of looks at him and she just goes, "Yeah, I'd still go there." <laughs> I was I was literally about to say there's no there's no way your wife would ever have any way of looking at me a second way but maybe she will yeah. maybe I need to come around to your house and run on a Are treadmill. Are you pitching for something here? Like, <laughs> you talked in the last episode with me about Jamie getting divorced and now you're like you know I didn't think your wife would ever be into me but maybe there's a chance maybe I have a chance. No, I, I don't think I have a chance because it's clearly that she's into younger women. So I think kind of like if you're gonna have a. You're having a threesome with your wife. You stick to her viewpoints right now, not the fat man fetish that she's simply got. <laughs> Maybe it's a cover. Maybe this whole shirtless man, like, ah, oh, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, ah, oh, do me. Like, it's all a thing of, like, she's actually secretly into, like, fat men. That's why she married you, probably. <laughs> I don't know why I came up with that. That was mean. Wow. Even halfway through saying that, I was like, don't say that, Ben. Colin's not fat. <laughs> um... <laughs> 90 minutes, 90 I minutes. Think, I don't think Jamie's going to want to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, Does she listen to any episodes? She, she listens, listens to the one ep- she's on? <laughs> she suggests we do Charmed, and she's still like, oh yeah, I still have to listen to that episode. She put the random suggestion out there. We did it for her, and still nothing. Jamie doesn't listen to these things. She doesn't even know she's on them half the time. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so finally, the, the battle ends, which I like the battle. It's fun. There's the proposal scene, which is nice and all. Uh this is where I was going to make the argument where you talk about how quickly they fall in love. Uh, first of all, how quickly he falls in love with her. She's Elizabeth Mitchell. He's going to fall in love in like three days uh, for her side. Why she agrees to just marry him just like that. He's got all this magic. He's got his own army of slaves and all that. Uh, on top of that, he kind of doesn't present her with a choice. He goes, you know, Christmas is going to be over and every child in the world's going to, you know, uh, be disappointed and have nothing to live for if you don't do this. Blackmails her. Nice. Yeah, Abuses her. That's abuse. Hashtag me too. Where's Elizabeth Mitchell yeah. coming out here saying, <laughs> Santa abused me. Santa forced me against my will to get married. Uh, you know, and then another 50 women come out and say the same thing. Come on. Yeah, exactly. All the other Mrs. Claus is out there. Um, but <laughs> it, no, it it does make sense. They don't make it so unrealistic. Well, they just get married. And I... I do kind of hate those. She says, do you have a school? I like, it's a funny moment. goes to school. Oh yeah, we have a school, but we, we, we kind of need a principal. You know, some of the other elves have been acting kind of impish, but if all these elves are like 900 years old, like how long are they in school for? Like Santa should be in school still like elf school for another hundred years. I don't know. There's no reason they would have a school here unless there are elf children or something. Uh, I also wonder when they finally do get married here as Mother Nature reappears and all the other legendary figures are there and they get married and he turns back into Fat Santa. It's not the moment where she's like, I didn't realize that was part of the deal. I kind of like the young, <laughs> you know, uh, fit, handsome Tim Allen, not 
all. Well, she turns here. fat too. Like, where's that part of the deal? Like, I didn't realize I'm going to get fat myself. Like, yeah, and I remember when uh, this movie came out. You know, kind of thing is like you know, a young kid still, and not like you know, I'm like, ooh, Elizabeth Mitchell, whatever. But like, that's an attractive woman. And when she appears at the end, I'm like, why'd they have to make her look like that? Now I don't want to see Santa <laughs> Claus three. And I kind of was expecting Santa Claus three. They'd make her look like an old gray woman or whatever, which they don't. She looks. Literally exactly the same as Santa Claus 3, except she has a baby bump in it. Uh, and that's the only difference. But I don't know why they did that on the end of the credits. Like, you marry Santa, so you have to become out of shape and slobbish as well. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I don't know if she becomes disappointed there. It is kind of an inappropriate final scene here where he you know, mentions, uh, I have a three-month vacation. You know, He basically says we're going to have a lot of sex in three months. And this is the Disney way of doing it. Um, and finally, I don't know, even know if we want to talk about the last Lucy scene because I, I always wish this movie would end after he leaves and you realize Chet's in there and everything and, uh, you know, we have the three-month honeymoon comment. Why we go back to the Lucy scene, I don't think it fits. I think that the perfect ending of this movie would have happened a few minutes earlier. But if you want one last chance to just uh, completely trash everything to do about Lucy, go for it. But otherwise, there is the Santa Claus too. With a stupid, but I do. I still get toys. Shut up, yeah. like you little green little bitch. Um, I don't. <laughs> I mean, Charlie only got a soccer ball. He was better off before. Is you know he knew his dad was Santa. Yeah, but Charlie wants to go into the family business. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I the music is funny. You mentioned that because I kind of thought I didn't like the score in this film. Like it didn't feel like magical and nice like the first one did. Um. So, yeah, I I don't like the final scene. It's just such a kid's movie. Like, again, I know we're watching a kid's movie, but, like, they're just... This is my problem with this second one. It's just kind of like when they... Like, the good stuff's great, like, in the real world, but then when they go back to the North Pole, it's just so childish and dumb. The first one wasn't childish and dumb. The first one you can appreciate. This one just turns into just dumb territory. So that's why I just do not like this closing. Like, there's this one scene, which is going to be my um backup picture on Skype, of Bernard when they're, like mowing down all the um the the soldiers and he's got like this burp face look on his you know like yeah that's, i didn't like happy on. bernard there i agree with you no it just it just didn't work for me at all um and i mean it's kind of funny the way they get back to the north pole with like the the tooth fairy but again it just it just defeats the purpose of them just having this magic watch in the first place if this is all it takes like they could have just been like don't use all your magic because you'll have to pay for your own airfare we're only supplying this airfare if you don't use all your magic um so it's just kind of dumb um what else have i written here i don't really think there's a whole lot there i've i've realized here the voice of um uh, Chet is uh, an esteemed voice actor uh, by Mark the Hamill? name of Cass. Yes, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Absolutely right. Cass Susie, who was the voice of Lola Bunny in Space Jam, um, and also Linka from Captain Planet. There you go. Good if you're a Captain Planet fan. Um, but I just randomly wanted to talk about that. Yeah, it's just like. I mentioned it already. Like, she just got no pressure. Like, no pressure at all, love. You've just got to, like, but marry or save it's the... it's a joke. It's a comedy. No, she's been forced against the wheel. That's <laughs> marriage rape. Um, but I, I hate that girl who does... When you're saying, like, oh, is there a school here or whatever? Oh, they've been acting a bit impish. I hate that, like, smirk she does when she crosses her arms. Like, 
<laughs> Shut up. You're not even saying anything. I want to slap you. Um, but, <laughs> but even like when she when he goes off to like work and she's like, don't be home too late. Like, can we just establish these kids have been working on coal under like Hitler Santa for however long. They've not had time to make the toys. So, like, how all of a sudden is he going off on his sleigh delivering coal? Like, he's got no choice but to deliver coal. He's yeah, not out of magic. He can't do anything. Yeah, like, um, we still just have loaded everything on there. Like, uh, the, the turnaround for this, it, let's look at this realistically. The turnaround to reload the sled is probably at least three days. Christmas isn't happening until, you know, December 28th. Yeah, exactly. I, I hate that comment in the back of the sleigh. That's dumb. Yeah. Um... Yeah. The, the the stupid chat like oh how about we fly on a straight line chat dumb um and like the 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 dance bit at the end I hate like how they what yeah why now that I haven't seen the Santa Claus or I was expecting it to be Fat Elizabeth Mitchell in the third one but this makes no sense um I kind of like the little like toy Sanders when he's been shrunk and he's kind of like oh why don't we dance yeah, like that's this fun. like that's kind of funny um and we get random uh Hillary Duff Christmas song in the credits yeah. I guess she was a big I loved Hillary Duff. Oh, I feel so um, bad for you. Oh, come on. I was in puberty at that point. Um, <laughs> I liked Amanda Bynes, too, and we saw what happened to her. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. Dumb. <laughs> well, that's the Santa Claus, too. I honestly thought you'd have a little bit more of a turnaround on this movie. But still, I mean, you know, you, you don't completely hate it from what I can tell. Um <sighs> Do we want to do the reviews right? Well, let's cut, come into some of the other things. Let's look at real reviews because I did find at least one, if I could find it again. Here we go. Um, so overall, the the Santa Claus one. Uh, do you have the box office up there still? Here's where we're oh, talking. Sure, just, yeah, I do. Sorry, I'm just falling asleep. Um, 139 million dollars it did make domestically. Um, 33 million, so 172 million worldwide. It was made on a budget of 65 million dollars. Jesus. What was the budget um, of the first movie? Can we see that? Uh, keep talking and I'll pull it up for you. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, even just so for opening weekend, it opened number one at the box office, and uh, I think it was pretty close to as big of a hit uh, when it first came out. Obviously, it didn't make as much money in the long run, but I remember being surprised because a lot of people kind of by eight years later. And already three years removed from the end of Home Improvement, we're sort of thinking Tim Allen's best days are behind him. I mean, Galaxy Quest uh, was the last really successful movie he had had prior to this three years earlier. And even Galaxy Toy Quest... Toy Story 2? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think you count the Toy Stories as like Tim Allen box office draw. But even that was three years prior to this still. So I remember expectations being very low for this. And then when it opened as high as it did and actually... You know, continued to make money week after week. People were surprised, which is probably what led to the Santa Claus three being greenlit so quickly and uh, not having a, an eight year wait like the first one. Um, but uh, twenty two million to interrupt you there. Sorry, Colin. Twenty two million. The, the first one was made. and tripled the budget. Effects that look. My math skills are great. Yeah, uh, effects that look only half as good. Uh, one flaw of this movie, but I think it's also just much bigger budget for reasons that are obvious, like. They weren't doing anything this big or this effects heavy in the first one. Uh, but it, maybe it suffers a little bit because of that. Um, but overall, although I think uh, you know, the movie financially turned a decent profit, uh, you have the uh, box, or I got the box office stats up here. Uh, the first one made uh, $144 million, uh, in North America, $189 million, uh worldwide. So 
none of the Santa Claus movies really make money outside of North America. Maybe you know, Santa Claus is only a big thing in certain countries. Uh, this movie made only $5 million less in North America, 139 versus 144, and only $17 million less worldwide in the first movie. Now, you can look at that as you know, eight years removed, but still, it's a huge uh, um, gap in between years. And for a movie that should have lost a lot of interest, that's pretty close to the original's gross. Um, you were going to say something? I I was, but I, I think you've still got more things to say that don't relate to what I was about to say. So. Yeah. Uh, critically, I remember when this movie came out and it got decent reviews. I guess it's still kind of, you know, a uh, hit and miss one. The, the first one, I think you mentioned, like 70-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This one, 55%, which is still pretty decent for a movie that is... 15 years old now and you know not exactly uh at the level of uh it's a wonderful life as far as like christmas art goes but uh still a decent critical reception roger ebert i mentioned how i i think roger ebert gave a good review i found roger ebert's review of this he actually gave it three out of four stars uh and he even says in his review uh he almost liked the original santa claus but he wrote despite its charms the movie doesn't push over the top into true inspiration now here is santa claus 2 which kind of does push over the top especially with the clone santa subplot and is an all-around better film so he actually thought no. this was better than the first one and he's an idiot <laughs> more than peter travers <laughs> um, yes yeah no uh I, I, I mean, this movie did get, I guess, w- this would be a perfect example of, uh, you know, a movie that was kind of dividing critics. It, it, uh, I don't think there's anybody out there who really absolutely hates this movie. Not a lot of people absolutely love it. So uh, were you going to say something before we move on? Look, all I just kind of had was uh, the the I, this one, the opening weekend, and kind of we said this yesterday, didn't we, about looking at other movies it was oh, up against. Yeah. I mean, that weekend, um, it beat The Ring. Uh, I Spy, I love I Spy. That's an underrated that movie. All right, yeah. Um, Jackass, the movie, Ghost Ship. God, that was terrible. Oh, my big ass Greek wedding, Sweet Home much, Alabama. That was terrible. Uh, punch wedding. drunk. Oh, yeah. We just, uh, hold on, I pulled up here. Can we just say how, what place that was in at the box office and how many weeks it had been out? Uh, that was. Number six, and how many weeks have it been now? 29. Week 29. That would be Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Red Dragon, Punch Drunk Love, Bowling for Columbine, Jonah, a Veggie Tales movie. What the hell was that? Um, but the uh, interesting thing I just want to pull up with Tim Allen is that uh, ignore the Toy Story movies because they're obviously his top three. What do you think his number one ranked uh, live action movie is, box office wise? Um,. Well, probably the Santa Claus one. No, or Wild number Hogs. two. Yeah, Wild Hogs. Yeah. Uh, Santa Claus two. So, like, obviously, Toy Story is his top three. But then you have Wild Hogs, Santa Claus two, Santa Claus two, then Santa Claus three, followed by Christmas of the Cranks and Galaxy Quest. Only made seventy one million. Didn't actually do that well. So, yeah. well, I mean, seventy one million for a comedy released around Christmas, sci fi. I think was Galaxy Quest. Would be fun if we ever cover one day because I remember that movie opening really low. It opened with something like four or five million dollars and then stuck around week after week after week just sort of making the same four or five million dollars it wasn't like a movie was ever in the top five it just never went away um but it's more of a cult one too that's kind of it's over time it's developed into a real popular movie we mentioned in the last episode how 
you know, Tim Allen often gets criticized. That, oh, his career, you know, he, he so many movies that tanked and everything. How many actors can you find who did a television sitcom and had any movie career, let alone had True. two massive franchises, Santa Claus and Toy Story? Uh, and at least with Santa Claus, it sold all on Tim Allen. And even the third one made a fair amount of money. Then you throw in the Christmas with the Cranks was a massive hit. Wild Hogs, massive hit. I mean, the guys had a lot of success even outside of Santa Claus. So this- Shaggy Dog. Shaggy Dog. Yeah. And just quickly, too, just while we're on the topic, I mean, this was the 16th highest rating film of a very big 2002, oh, though. I mean, God, you got to look at, like, the top five, you know, Spider-Man, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I mean, this did make more money than films such as Minority Report. It made, uh, like, $7 million more. Uh, the Ring, yeah, Mr. Deeds, you know, Adam Sandler really at the peak. Born Identity, Sum of All Fears, 8 Mile. Yeah. Um, Panic Room. God, I love Panic Room. Can we do that, please? Um, so yeah, uh, Snow Dogs. There's Noah's favorite. <laughs> the number thirty-three made uh, eighty-one million dollars. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I guess the legacy of this movie was that it was successful enough. It was surprising that it made more money than Disney expected eight years later, and they did start working on a third movie. And Tim Allen basically sold his soul forever to Disney because it would follow with, like, the Shaggy Dog and everything else after that. Uh, he basically became Disney's number one live-action guy. Uh, maybe the modern day, like, Jerry Lewis or something. But um, uh, with um, um, the, the Santa Claus 3, we're going to get to that next week. You have never tomorrow. seen this movie. Uh, tomorrow, sorry. <laughs> we're this close... <laughs> We're going to get to it. We're going to finish Christmas month in mid-January, people. Um, 2020. You have never seen the Santa Claus. Oh, we should rent this bin or buy it first. So we'll talk about the Santa Claus here in a second. I was about to say. Um, no editing in this episode. This is, this is how sloppy we always are. We just clean it up more. Uh, buy it, bin it, rent it. It's just too much bad in this for me to not bin it. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just don't want to watch this movie again. I just don't. I really don't. Even the the, the good stuff in the middle, kind of with him and Elizabeth Mitchell, but it's, it's legitimately a movie to me which taints the first one. Like, I don't want this to be associated with the first movie. To me, there's only the Santa Claus. There's no sequels to this movie, and, and I might say that even more next uh, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I. I, I have to bin it. I, I, you're probably gonna. I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm assuming you're gonna buy it. But yeah, like I, yeah, I just don't ever want to watch this again, and I probably never will because we're never gonna have to podcast about this again. So I'm glad. Uh, well, I'm not gonna buy it, even though I love this movie. The funny thing is, I don't own any of the Santa Claus movies. And Jamie asked me every Christmas. She's like, you know, do you own the Santa Claus movies? And I always tell her the problem is with Christmas movies is that they'll only put them on the shelves. I don't know if it's the same there, but you'll only ever see them on the shelves right before christmas and they have the like absurd prices for it where to buy the entire box set for the santa claus trilogy with almost no features you're paying like 50 dollars. so i will say i watch it on tv every year but um as much as i love this movie because it does have some flaws that are really hard to get over like comet like lucy um like you know some of the some of the really awkward scenes Curtis. like really Shannon. No, not Curtis. But there are so many things in this I really do love, like Curtis and like Elizabeth Mitchell and like you know evil Tim Allen and everything. And I just think it's an all around fun movie. I never have a problem watching this one at Christmas. Uh, the second part of this, you know, you know, is this something you would consider a Christmas classic? Would you watch it every year? 
I wouldn't say I watch this every year. I watch it every year when I have time to watch it. I make sure I always can watch the Santa Claus one first. And if I have time, I watch part two. But as I said at the beginning of this, there's some things about this movie I enjoy more than the first one. But I would say I'd give this a strong rent it and not a buy it just because there are some issues that if I am watching this, I might fast forward a few scenes. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so Santa Claus 3, no, I haven't seen it. Uh, not looking forward to watching it. Uh, but I like Martin Short. Is that all you want me to say? Or <laughs> That's basically what I, I was going to say the exact same words, except I have seen it, not looking forward to seeing it, but I love Martin Short. Uh, <laughs> we actually get more than that. We get Alan Arkin in the next movie too. Oh. Elizabeth Mitchell's dad, which is amazing. There is some fun stuff in the movie. It's just, if you didn't like the fact that part two was, whereas part one was 75% real world, 25% North Pole, part two was like, 50% North Pole, 50% real world. Part three is like 80% North Pole, 20% real world. And the real world stuff, believe Yay. it, is the weakest stuff in the movie. Uh, Martin Short, I think, really does work in the movie. I just don't know if we needed somebody stealing the entire movie from Tim Allen. Uh, and the plot was interesting. The whole escape clause plot, which when you see the movie, you know, you'll probably have the same idea. It's like, you can make a real good movie out of this, but it's understandable why they scrapped it from part two and brought it back for part three and why they probably should have at least delayed part three a little while to figure out how to make this escape clause work in a movie. Uh, Lucy's back with a much bigger role. Uh, Charlie has a much smaller role. Uh, lots of Martin Short, lots of Alan Arkin, lots of Elizabeth Mitchell. Judge Reinhold? Judge Reinhold's back smaller role actually i think he's got a, a little bit bigger than santa claus too basically everybody comes back in some form and you get alan arkin and you get martin short so but no bernard no bernard sadly uh we will be able to get through this movie though it's not gonna be something we're like just let it end but it's not a movie i ever look forward to watching however i have seen it several times just because sometimes at christmas let's watch all the santa claus movies um well like we're doing this year on the oz network yeah and then following that on Christmas Eve, we will wrap up Tim Allen Month with Christmas with the Cranks, a movie that was destroyed by critics even more than the Santa Claus 3, but yet somehow actually seems more well-liked now than it was when it first came out. Uh, I was surprised just doing some research today, seeing that modern audiences have accepted this movie a lot more than when it first came out, which was basically, it was considered at the time to be one of the worst movies ever made. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, uh, I have seen it more than once. I still love Tim Allen, and it's just kind of Tim Allen and Christmas. It's just two things that perfectly go together. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but you as well haven't seen Christmas the Cranks. I've never seen it, but I like Jamie Lee Curtis, so I kind of think Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis sounds like a good match for me. I'd go see it, even though I didn't. So Dan Aykroyd thrown in the mix, like how can you? Ah, oh, I like Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Who doesn't? Um, so that's it for the um, Santa Claus 2. We are how many days away from Christmas right now? Three? Uh, uh, insert days here. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to wrap up Tim Allen month and then move on from there to something or other. We haven't decided yet. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or what other other platforms we have out there. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, listen to episode one. If you haven't heard it on Santa Claus, one, a better movie, uh, maybe not a better podcast. This one was pretty good, but we didn't <laughs> harass anybody and threaten death <laughs> as we did in last night's episode. Who knows what we'll do next week. My name is Colin and...
And my name is Ben and Lucy and Curtis and this whole movie. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.